Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Citizens of the Reject Nation, now with audio, this is a talkie. We were just testing you. I'd like to thank you in advance for all of the Streamlabs from last time, all of the Super Chats from last time. Much, much appreciated. That's how we do these live streams. And as ever, as long as there are Super Chats and live streams, this stream will go. I'm going to make sure we get to each and every one of those. You guys control the conversation. Now with full audio. I uh, also like to tell you I'm so excited to be here doing a live Koi's Comic Corner if this does well, hoping to do more of these because I think this is going to be a year where news starts coming back with zeal, with fervor, as we saw this week. It was a crazy marvelous week. There was so much Marvel news and then right at the very end we got that incredible set of Joker 2 photos showing us just how much is to come. So first of all, we're going to dive into Fantastic Four and then I'm going to get into your Super Chats, your Streamlabs, all that jazz. You control the narrative here on Koi's no longer quiet corner, now with audio. Uh, so, kicking it off with Fantastic Four, we did get the best, worst kept secret this week while we confirmed all of the rumored casting folks for the Fantastic Four. It is officially going to be Reed Richards as Pedro Pascal. Sue Storm is going to be Vanessa Kirby. Joseph Quinn is going to be Human Torch Johnny Storm. And my personal favorite of the castings, Eben Moss Bacroc, is going to be... Ben Grimm, the ever-loving thing. Now, I'm so excited for this casting because I, I, I just wanted to talk about it. I feel like we had the Adam Driver rumors. We had the Pedro Pascal rumors. I feel like Vanessa Kirby's been locked since, like, last summer. I think Joseph Quinn was pretty well established as where things were going. I personally just did Megacon out in Florida, and he had been attached to do Megacon up until a couple weeks ago, and I was like, hmm, I think that's a confirmation. So I've been really excited to just have this to talk about, and the way they did it was really interesting. Instead of doing a big presentation, instead of first unveiling them at San Diego Comic-Con, they had this image come out, the image that is right below me here. And I like the vibe of this image. Not only does it tell us that Herbie is in it, which we've never had an on-screen Herbie before, and he's an iconic piece of Fantastic Four lore, but it also shows us via that Life magazine screen there that this is going to be set in the 60s. Now, this is a 1963 Life cover from December of that year. It features Lyndon B. Johnson on the cover. That makes this either a weird throwback magazine and he's reading it for fun, or it's set in 1963. And for a long, long time, I've, you know, myself, I've been saying for at least seven or eight years, I do think it makes sense to set this in the 60s. You can check my movie Fights tapes. I've been saying it for a long time. And I think this is a great way to announce that. Not only do we get to see a little taste of the suits, the blue and white instead of blue and black or blue and dark blue, it gives us a vibe for the aesthetic and it gives us a sense of the tone of the thing without revealing a moment because I don't think they've started shooting yet. But it also allows Marvel to kind of get ahead of some bad news. A lot of people, the average day-to-day -day person, um, doesn't know the difference between the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel Studios, and a Marvel comic adaptation via Sony, or it used to be Fox in this case, or those things. And I do think that there's been a lot of bad optics on comic book properties for a long time. And I think it was really smart that while 
news was coming out about Madam Web, they made sure to get not only the Deadpool trailer out with the Super Bowl, so there was some positivity in a big scale way, the biggest trailer of all time, but also the day of the reviews coming out, we get fantastic forecasting, which happens to tie into Valentine's Day, making it Marvel's first family, a big family announcement, a big holiday feel, and then the next day they gave us the X-Men 97 trailer. So I think there's a lot of positive movement in Marvel in a very controlled narrative way, which I think is very, very smart. So I like this announcement personally. I do hope they still come down to San Diego Comic-Con this year. I do think it'd be really interesting to have basically the DCU bring out their Superman cast and maybe make one or two more big announcements and then have this be the way they bring in Doctor Doom as you have your Fantastic Four come out and then maybe you bring out your fifth with Doom. But I do think it'll be if things go well and if the studios want to go this year, a really fun DCU, MCU, Hall H extravaganza with these big properties. But I don't mind that we already know. I think it's only going to enhance the experience of seeing them live in person down there. So uh, let's get to our first Super Chats and Streamlabs. Uh, whichever one, I got my buddy Enrique offsides running, producing. He's going to be deciding which way we go next, whether it's Super Chat or Streamlab. In the meantime, I see you live chat. I also keep an eye on that. Uh, let's see. I, I don't think this movie's going to flop. Whoever said it did. I'm not saying the gamer MJ said it did. He's responding to someone. I think they're very silly. Uh, I'm alone today because I'm trying this out to do Comic Corner Live, so we thought it'd be fun. Uh, also because John and Greg are super duper busy and have lots of editing and other things to do, so this gives me an opportunity to run things my way, but try not to say things I shouldn't say, but without supervision, who knows what might happen. Uh, Joseph Quinn is Johnny is underrated. I personally think, uh, he's a great actor. I just don't know if he can be rated without seeing it. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's properly rated until I see the performance. Uh, announcing Doom at Comic-Con would be epic. I do think that would be the way I would do it. I think it'd be really exciting to have everyone come out and then a big moment of Doom himself. Maybe not quite the uh, high evolutionary way, like literally bringing him out in costume, but I do think announcing the casting that way would be pretty special. Uh, I had originally thought he might come out in Deadpool as a post-credit scene, maybe setting up Battleworld, um, but now I don't know if they'll wait for Fantastic Four itself. Either way, it's going to be, I think, July when we find out. All right, it looks like we have our first of the chats here. Is that Robert Prusser? Is that our first? All right, wonderful. So to all the people who are saying, don't let Disney make X-Men woke, y'all are morons. Y'all don't know the X-Men and want a certain narrative. Uh, now, thank you very much, Robert, for kicking this off. You got in here literally before I was live or maybe when I was muted, but you were in here before things. So thank you very much, Robert. Uh, I really want to address at the top. The X-Men are a team of... <laughs> of people that are outcasts and the oppressed and people that represent people that feel like outsiders. Uh, they protect a world that hates and fears them. And it's always been a pretty thinly veiled metaphor. Like the X-Men aren't a subtle commentary. They're a pretty overt commentary on a lot of people that have been persecuted and shouldn't have been. So I personally think this idea that the X-Men are woke now is hilarious. One, because we've abused the word woke to the point of it not being a word. It's a nonsensical concept. Uh, but two, the X-Men are literally representing every type of othered person at all times. They represent Martin Luther King and, and 
the way the relationship with him and Malcolm X is is Magneto and Xavier. They represent you know people coming out. They represent families not understanding people. They've at time represented refugees. They they represent the people that need their stories told. And so the idea that now it's woke because in particular a character that can be both genders would identify as non-binary is laughable. Um, I, I personally don't want to get as hyphy on the live chat by myself because there'll be no one here to calm me down. But I do think it's a, a pretty embarrassing concept that bigots can think they're fans of X-Men. Uh, it's the why are we or oh, wait, are we the baddies moment at all times? So I agree with Robert's sentiment here. Uh, I do think it's a preposterous uh, concept and the X-Men are awesome because it helps people feel seen. So if you have a problem with that, don't watch. All right. What do we got next? Uh, Dark Car. Do you think Deadpool 3 will lead the way to new Iron Man, Cap, Black Widow, etc.? Um, I think, one, Dart, thank you. I don't know if you've got a Dodge Dart, if that is your car, or if your name is Dart Car, because there are Dodge Dart cars. But either way, I like your name. Um, I don't think we'll get a new Iron Man, Black Widow, Cap out of Deadpool, because we already have a Captain America. Uh, we already have a new Black Widow. Um, we will probably have some sense of... Iron Man in the form of Armor Wars giving us hopefully Rhodey or and or Riri Williams. I think we're going to have a potential duo of Iron Folk, but I don't think they're going to be new ones. Uh, I don't think they'll be introducing like variants in that sense. I think we might get cameos and moments of new ones. Like I do think a Tom Cruise cameo would be hilarious uh, as Iron Man, but that doesn't make him our new one. So if you mean new in the sense of like cameos and new ideas and, you know, you're Channing Tatum as Gambit and new things that way. Yes, but I don't think we'll get our like new team of X-Men or new universe characters of these characters after Deadpool 3. I think that's going to start uh, post-Secret Wars, if not later. Uh, I do think Secret Wars is going to be a nice clean slate for characters that we're going to keep or not, but I don't think we'll get a lot of new ones. I think they're kind of trimming down, not building out. Little Flower, you're never late. You're a wizard. You arrive exactly when you intend to. Uh, and then we got another one when we get a chance, Enrique. Jeff Carroll, thank you very much, Jeff, for the wonderful, wonderful contribution there. Uh, looks like it's a one of five, so appreciate you in advance. Uh, I don't know what's true, but everything I've heard about Daredevil Born Again before Overhaul is it was bad. <laughs> MCU has had issues both where exact committee took over and changed the director vision, Marvel's dot, 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 etc. And then there's a part two. We're going to get there in just a moment. Two, uh, an opposite where directors went totally a, uh, away from MCU vision, like Thor Love and Thunder. What's the balance between the MCU mold and directors' creative vision, and was one of those DD issues, or was it something else? What? Oh, pause. Uh, for all their humor and depravity, Deadpool films have always had a heart. Oh, let's go back to the other one. We'll get to this. As a, so three of five is going to start another idea. So um, this being a kind of a conflict of whether it's the director's vision, a singular vision, or if it's a problem of executives, I think is the question being asked. Like, the Thor Love and Thunder is someone's singular vision versus what the MCU wanted, and it being kind of convoluted, I think is what you're talking about. Um, one, everything I heard about Daredevil before this had me a bit concerned. Um, I definitely trust in Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio and John Bernthal. So them having any excitement, I was like, you know, cautiously concerned because I didn't like some of the story ideas, but they were always through a lens of 
so-and-so said so-and-so. I never saw a script. I never saw a frame. Half the stuff you, you hear on the internet's a lie. So I hadn't gotten the chance to be concerned because I didn't hear it from anyone I believed. <laughs> I didn't trust anyone. And then I had, you know, other folks saying it's good. So up until some of the more factual leaks came out, I was still cautiously optimistic. That said, once they decided to completely pull the plug and some of the more detailed, um, still rumors, but some of the more detailed rumors came out, then I was like, okay, no, it's definitely with the, the better move. Let's not do that over there. So I do think it was a matter of them acquiring the character, them knowing the investment in Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio was strong, and then them thinking they could do kind of whatever they wanted and then realizing, no, no, we've got this thing that works. We've got Netflix's one through three. Why don't we effectively make Netflix season four? No, no, people like the character this way. Why don't we keep them going in that direction? And I think it's really hard to balance fan expectation and fan entitlement. Uh, I think there's a lot of fan entitlement when it comes to comic book properties. At the end of the day, this is art people are making for us and we all can't win and be happy. But on the other side, fan expectation if you're making something Daredevil and you're using Charlie Cox's Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, there's a certain expectation of tone and of uh, believabil believability for the audience to connect that character to the character they know. In the comic books, you've got Mark Wade run. It's very different than the Brian Michael Bendis run. It's very different from the Chip Zdarsky run. But I think with drawings, we can separate a character a bit more than Charlie Cox being a very different Daredevil than the one we're used to, because that's an actor we're attaching our emotional connection to the character to. So I think it's smart to go in the direction they're going with Daredevil, restart it, make it more similar to what we're looking to, and, and go forward. And I think that was also a problem with Love and Thunder. It didn't feel like Thor in the way we wanted it to, and it was kind of baffling. And I think in another medium it might have worked, but it didn't work in the movie, certainly, and a god butcher should butcher. So, all right, that's, that's your two of five. Uh, we're going to come to your three of five, then we'll go back down to Riley. So uh, we got three of five asking, for all their humor and depravity, Deadpool films have always had heart centered around Wade and Vanessa. What will the heart of Deadpool 3 look like in context of their relationship or from elsewhere where? I think that ends that one, then I'll do four or five. Um, I, I agree. The heart of Deadpool is impossibly important because jokes aren't funny if you don't care about the character. Sadness doesn't work if you're not invested, and I think making the beating heart of Deadpool so open and available is what Ryan Reynolds doesn't get enough credit for. I've said a hundred times, the reason Deadpool wears his mask isn't to hide his identity, it's to save you from seeing his horrible face. That's so unique as a character, and that's such a level of compassion. Spider-Man uses comedy as a defense mechanism for himself. Deadpool uses comedy as a defense mechanism for himself and others. He's trying to protect his brokenness. He's literally battling cancer, and he's lost everything. That's a, it's a very broken character. So I think the, the heart of Wade and Vanessa is important for us as an audience to connect to something. He, he connects to her. We connect to them. And I think the heart of Deadpool 3 is going to be I think the baby's gone. I think that we see in the trailer a really sad moment of them at a table alone. I think we find out Vanessa lost little baby share, and I really think it's going to be a story of loss that ties into us saying goodbye to the Fox universe in some way. Um, it's going to be a story of losing these, these heroes we grew up with. I, I think if any property can touch on nostalgia as a positive and negative, it's Deadpool. Um, I, I just did an Oscar uh, conversation with uh, the directors of, of Spider-Verse and Chris and Phil, uh, Lord and Miller, and we talked about how dangerous nostalgia is. And it's really interesting how we're living in an age of nostalgia, but we also have to make new things. We have to move forward, and we can reinterpret, remix. Like a good hip-hop track, it, it utilizes classic 
elements but make something new out of it. And I think that's what Deadpool does well, and I think that's why him ending the Fox universe is going to be so important, because he's sampling in the musical sense, but he's remixing and growing and going forward in our sense. So the heart is what keeps us anchored through nostalgia and uh, new sensibilities. All right, we got uh, four and five from Jeff. Uh, EMB as Ben Grimm will go down as one of the best castings in MCU history, akin to RDJ as Iron Man. He will be the team's heartbeat. But what will the context of him calling Reed cousin? Uh, well, first of all, it's cousin in time. Will be no, that's not what he's gonna say. But I, I am hearing it up here. Um, I love this because I really, truly believe um, he is one of the best castings. I think he's probably my favorite casting since Kamala Khan. And it was funny because I obviously didn't know her work before because that was her first thing. But as soon as we met Kamala Khan. It was everything I love about the comics because of the casting. This time it's the other way. Like, I have, I love Michael Chiklis. I'm a fan. But I didn't go like, yeah, Michael Chiklis. Um, whereas I'm a huge fan of both the bear and him in the bear and the thing. And immediately I was like, that's the character you see at the baby blue eyes. I can hear the clobber in time. I can feel the empathy of a man who feels like this man, this monster. I can totally identify with the trauma of, of his character because the trauma of his character in the Forks episode or season one where he's almost the antagonist. I want to see what it's like to lose yourself in this facade. And I think the broken earnesty of his eyes will sell that. Uh, I, I think it's, it is a truly incredible bit of casting. Uh, I think he's a, such a genius actor um, yeah, I agree. That is one of the best castings we've had in a very long time. I think it'll be the team's heartbeat, and uh, I do hope at some point somehow we can call him cousin, because I just want that for me, or at least in a press setting. When I hopefully get to do press for some Fantastic Forks, I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to find a way to loop in its cousin in time. All right, five. Oh, is there no five? That's okay if there's no five. I, I sped red in case there was a five. Uh, in the meantime... Uh, let's see, Spawn is the one and only true hero, according to Spawn. That's a bit self-serving. Uh, let's go back to Riley while we get this thing to reload here. And we got the four out of five with Jeff Carroll. Again, thank you, Jeff Carroll, for that very, very kind contribution. Much, much appreciated. Uh, Riley Garraway, thank you, who says, love your positivity. Thanks for sharing this news. Ever so happy to. I'm very excited to talk about Fantastic Four with you lovelies in this special live Koi's Comic Corner. We've also got the X-Men 97 trailer. We've also got the Deadpool trailer. We've also got those Joker picks. If you guys have any questions about any of those, by all means, get after it. Someone in the chat said EMB and Andor is fantastic. I agree. My dream in orbit. Great name and also truth spoken. He was also great as Micro in Punisher. So uh, I'm really excited. Also in my head canon, since this is set in the 60s, Micro is going to be the son of Ben Grimm or maybe the grandson because they look a lot alike. Uh, I think that was all five. We get everybody. All right, let's get to Dan V900. I think I saw him in the chat earlier say it cut him off before five out of five. So I don't know if there's like a limit or anything that went wrong, but I didn't know if uh, it was going to get solved. We are, we are testing to make sure we didn't miss the good man's five of five. Oh, there he is. He's back. Uh, won't let me send a fifth $10 super. Is there a limit? Jeff Carroll asks. Jeff, not that I know of, but I appreciate you trying. And if you have another question, by all means, try for a, a non-blank out of five. But uh, those four questions were all exceptional, so I appreciate you very, very much. RWP, Hope Coy, drops some wrecks for X-Men, Fantastic Four, etc. I will. At some point, I got I got ideas. I can get to you. All right, let's get back to Dan V nine hundred. I believe he was our next chat in here. 
with the rumors of Galactus being in the film, that feels like a mistake. He's not a saga villain, but a sequel makes more up. Oh, I can't read it. It's gone now. Uh, but a sequel makes more sense to be a nihilist with the negative zone to get modern day makes sense. Uh, I think that'll depend on how they have them trapped. Um, I know Annihilus is a, a fan favorite we've never seen on screen. I know Annihilus would work for the negative zone. I'm wondering if they're trapped in the quantum realm. Uh, I'm curious if they're in some sort of uh, near Ant-Man vicinity, like there's a city that we didn't see. I know there's definitely uh, a concept of you know Kang being able to sense them and all that stuff, but we did see how inept Kang was in that setting without his time power. So I think they could be trapped in the quantum realm since the 60s. The negative zone would be much more the comic sensibility, but the tricky thing with that is how similar that might feel to the quantum realm. If they make the negative zone, they're like, well, this is a thing that, to the day-to-day -day audience that just experienced the quantum realm, that might feel too similar. But Annihilus, if they do the negative zone, is absolutely incredible. I don't know if he works for a full movie narrative unless that's what's trapping them in the negative zone unless they open with them fighting him that's also a villain that i think could grow but i don't know if you want to start there uh galactus i do think is a great stakes villain i i don't personally see him um as needing a lot of build-up i think you can make galactus work in one movie i think it's a good way to introduce silver surfer i think it's a good way to show the adventurer cosmic spirit and space scope of the Fantastic Four, and depending on what origin they go with, I assume they're going to do the Cosmic Rays, the space stuff, especially since it's set in the 60s, and that would kind of tie into Galactus if it's a, a space-themed villain and someone trying to take over the planet. I think he needs a villain that shows what global threat Fantastic Four protects them from as the first family. So I personally don't mind Galactus, but I would also love to see Annihilus, also love to see uh, what's going on with that space element versus negative zone. People asking in the live chat, what am I drinking? This is a very delicious peppermint, non-sugar caramel, non-sugar, three pumps of each, uh, triple espresso latte. Um, I, I make coffee at home with my, like, I've got a little uh, latte espresso combo machine. Um, and when Bed Bath & Beyond went out of business, everything went 70% off. Your boy committed to a big purchase, and it was a lot cheaper. So uh, I make lattes at home now, and it's delicious. And it's uh, at oat milk, a little frother on the side with all my little most sweeteners uh live chat also says i really want anya as silver surfer now yeah i made a video about that and i thought she's the perfect ethereal otherworldly deity of beauty and wonder so she absolutely works for silver surfer with me um i also don't think of of uh silver surfer as having a, a dick as important as a lot of people do i've never thought about silver surfer's genitalia as others have, um, apparently, because they're very upset a woman might play him. I think she'd be great, personally. Uh, Annihilus feels like a sequel villain to me, especially if they set up the negative zone in the first one. I think it'd be a cool way to have him like trying to get out or something. I think there's potential there. Um, let's get to our net chat. Uh, let's see, DanV900, thank you again very much. Dan says, Doom needs to be a Romani actor with the character's backstory and mother. The actor could honestly just lend the voice and the face should be disfigured. I as a white, have no way to understand the level of um, specificity people want in nationalities. Because as a white, I don't really, I'm not very proud of America. I don't care if they cast Americans or not. So I understand people from other places wanting uh, to, to have representation, but I get plenty of representation. So the Romani thing, very tricky for me, because I don't know any Romani actors. I don't know anyone from where Latveria would be geographically. So I don't know who to recommend. Uh, I've personally never been that invested in the Romani element of his character, but 
if you are, I totally understand that. Whenever I hear an Irish person in a movie or see Irish people cast as something, I'm stoked as hell. But as far as the Romani thing, I feel like every character I fan cast ends up being Romani and everyone ends up being very mad at me for not casting someone Romani. And I've looked up Romani actors and I didn't recognize any of them. So I have no idea who to recommend. Um, but I don't want a different body versus face personally i think it should be someone in a suit that we feel the weight of i don't want them to darth vader this one i know you could but i personally would like to feel when he's before he's victor von doom there's a presence there's a weight there's a body behind the voice uh you can do the voice versus face thing but i'd personally rather see someone as both uh thank you dan b900 i appreciate it uh we've also got jordan garza saying just saying hola real quick here at work but had to make a ccc live Koi's Comic Corner. We haven't done one of these in a while, and I'm very excited to be back. If you're enjoying this Koi's Comic Corner, leave a comment below. Hit that like. That's how we get the replays. Uh, lives don't traditionally do well on replay, so you hitting like is how we get people to watch this after the fact. And if you guys want more live Koi's Comic Corner or Koi's Comic Corner in general, leave a comment below. So thank you for that, Jordan. I appreciate it. Um, let's see. You're going to be my way of not going insane with customers today. Happy as hell today, Jordan Garza. You make me happy as hell. I appreciate that very kind, kind contribution and your kind words. Uh, thank you for joining Koi's Comic Corner. I appreciate it. And we're going to get into X-Men 97 next. So if you guys have any super chats about that, I'm going to get to those. But first, I just want to talk about it in general. Uh, Greg and I sat down and did a reaction to that, which we did a few hours late because I got an email at like, I don't know, 8 or 9 a.m. And it had come out at like 6 a.m., and I was like, I don't know. And so uh, it was really funny. I reached out to Greg, who had been up editing until like 5 a.m. So he had just gone to bed. And I was like, wake up, X-Men trailer. And we just casually made it happen. Like, it was not our usual, oh, got to wake up at 6 a.m. and watch it. Like, you can usually tell when we have those 6 a.m. Uh, reactions because we're broken people. So we did this one way later. And I was so worried that me being like, trust me, Greg, it'll be worth the reaction, <laughs> waking him to do so. Uh, I'd feel like a bad friend. But then you guys came in clutch. It's at like 100,000 views. I appreciate it so much. So clearly you guys are Team X-Men 97 as well. Uh, like I said, we'll get back to Supers here in a second. But I want to talk about this trailer by itself. I love what they've done to make us feel the nostalgia, but also make new stories possible. This looks like it can go into... I mean, the Hellfire Gala is mentioned, which means it does have some sense of House of X and Powers of X. It does have... A sensibility that means they could tie in the old Shi'ar stuff with Xavier with the new Krakoa stuff. It has a sensibility of addressing the changes they've made while also being the same characters from the original show. I think it's a really interesting way to, like I said in the last segment, uh, tie in nostalgia to new waves of things. And I, I think it'd be really interesting to see what storylines are kind of like bridging the gap between 97 and now. Uh, just hearing that music alone was all the nostalgia we'd want, but now what stories are going to tell? Because this was one of the first X-Men mediums that I think a lot of people discovered just the soap opera and scope of all these stories. There's so many tales of X-Men. It's, it's really exciting. And uh, Random A just said, glad Cyclops got his X-Men moment. That, to me, was the moment of the trailer. I loved, as an action fan, seeing Gambit charging up Wolverine's claws. That is so freaking badass. Does Wolverine explode? I don't know. But he seemed to be running faster, and that's kinetic energy. So I'm curious how they <laughs> mess with that idea. But it's really cool to see a fastball special remix of him just, like, tossing Wolverine in his own way, but with kinetic energy. But I do think the way we have X-Men reforming Cyclops as a leader is what I'm most excited about. Hearing, to me, my X-Men, that iconic line from the comic books, is 
so, so exciting. Uh, feeling that that drive of teamwork, seeing the dynamics of how the team uses their powers together. That's what the X-Men show felt like to me. It was it was great drama, it was great soap opera work, but it was also like My Hero Academia in like how cool the powers are utilized together and seeing these characters back. So I'm so excited to see what this becomes with a new generation of X-Men. 97 was how many years ago? 27 years ago? Oh, God, that math hurt me. Was it 27? No, 17. 17 years ago. That's a little better. It was 17 years ago. So I personally am curious what this next wave of fans wants and what they get out of these stories and what they discover by going to watch the old ones, what they discover about the X-Men. And I think it's also really smart to have this come out at least two years before we get any X-Men um, announcements for movies or shows because I think it's going to get the X-Men back in a conversation, right? We're going to hear people talking about X-Men. We're going to be able to play around with storylines and see what audiences like now or don't. So the trailer itself, I think, is a good beta test run for X-Men in movie theaters again. I think it's good to get the conversation out about them again. I think the comics have done a really good job getting us to be back invested in the X-Men. I think the House of X, Powers of Ten, all the Hickman stuff, the Krakoa stuff, it's gotten people excited again. Now we get the show. Now we get another medium. So uh, what did you guys think of the trailer? Let me know in the chat. Uh, give me an out of 10. I'm really curious what you guys... Did I math wrong twice? It was 27 years. I think I just refused to accept it. Like, I think I just didn't want to acknowledge that it was 27 years. My brain went, nah, it's got to be 17. But that doesn't work. 17 years ago was more recently. That was 2006. Oh, no. Unpleasant math. Anyway, uh, let me know what you guys thought of the trailer. Give me a 1 through 10 in the live chat. 27 years, bro. Indo Crypto. Thank you for breaking my heart this fine Saturday. Uh, what are my expectations for Deadpool 3? It's going to make me laugh. It's going to make me cry. It's going to make me believe in cinema. Uh, Spider-Man and X-Men 97 is amazing. Yeah, there was an Eddie Brock and Spider-Man uh, name drop. There was a Peter Parker and Eddie Brock name drop on that newspaper. And, of course, the Daily Bugle itself, which is very exciting. So I'm so stoked. Glad you guys like that trailer. We're going to get back into Super Chats. All right. Uh, we've got, I am so sorry if I mispronounce your name, Bojislav Verjasic. Verjasic. That's a cool name visually. I just, I'm, I know I'm not saying it right. Uh, Vojislav asked, and now I can't read what they asked. Aha! Do you think the 60s aesthetic of Fantastic Four is a big misdirection and that most of the movie will be set in the current era, Quantum Realm, Negative Zone? I think some of it will be. But I don't think most. I think it's smart to keep them in the 60s for at least two-thirds of it because it, I don't know, it uh, it allows them to not be involved with Thanos, not be involved with Kang stuff, allows them to kind of be their own team. I always like that the Fox characters, even before they were sold to Fox, felt like they were kind of on their own thing. Like, X-Men are in New York, but they're in Westchester. Like, they're not in New York City. Fantastic Four are in New York. They're on, you know, their, their own little corner with their building. But I always felt like the Fantastic Four were always doing their own thing, going on their own adventures, even though they were in New York. Like, the Baxter Building, physically in New York. But it always felt like they were a little offsides. So I personally uh, want the movie to feel like that. And I think setting it in the 60s will give us that. I think it also gives us a cool opportunity to have, like, a Peggy Carter cameo, a Hank Pym cameo, like, old-school Michael Douglas Hank Pym. And I think it, it, it's a really cool aesthetic. Uh, I've never seen a 60s set superhero thing. We've had 40s with Cap. We've had 90s with Captain Marvel. But I think 60s, we could do like a really cool um, like Mad Men era where there's that um, mid-century uh, uh, architecture and like glassware and technology that'd be really cool to have like neo-futurism tied into the way we're going with the story. So 
I think the technology elements will be exciting, and I think uh, having the fish out of water fun with Marvel's first family. Also, oh, how do I say this without sounding political? There is a nostalgia for the 50s and 60s that is not always um, justified. Like, I think we idealize the past. Uh, I think we think of the 50s and 60s as better than they were. And I think that might be an element of the fish-out-of-water concept for these people coming into our world. I don't think our world's great now, but I do think we idealize the past just by our nature. We are nostalgic. And I think we think of other times as better. I think uh, adults look to their high school era as better than it was. I think people that are you know, looking past beyond their lifetime think it is better than it was. So I think it'd be cool to have a, a bit of a commentary on the 60s, not being as shiny and utopic as we think it is. And I think that'd be a fun thing with the fish out of water concept with the present. So I think a decent amount of it's going to be set in the 60s. I do. I, I like the idea of a bait and switch for a misdirection in general, but in this case, I hope they don't. I do think Quantum Realm and Negative Zone are going to come to play, but I hope that answers your question uh, to a point. Uh, Ren Rai, there are a surprising amount of fantastic Romani actors, lots of great talent to pull from. Send me some names, man. I, I definitely don't know, um, I don't know enough. And I've Googled, I've looked, I've, I've invested and, and did not, uh, did not have anyone jump out. Um, all right, really, I have first time in this live, your reactions are super good. Thanks, Ultra Blade, I appreciate that. Live chat positivity is my jam. All right, Dan V900, I'm interested in the OG Deadpool 3 script. Reynolds said it was a Rashomon-type story where I'm sure Logan in the suit was from Deadpool's perspective, and Logan said he wasn't in the suit with the Fox characters. First of all, thank you, Dan. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, the Deadpool 3 script, I, I kind of have an interesting thing with this, kind of like the Spider-Man 4 concept. Right now, it seems like Spider-Man is in between... A, a small budget Spider-Man 4 where it's like a contained friendly neighborhood story and a huge budget Spider-Man 4 where it's another big spectacle multiverse thing with Andrew and Tom is the rumor. And Toby. Uh, I think Deadpool 3 kind of went through a similar thing where I think there was probably a small contained Deadpool script that was, let's see what is going to be next uh down the line let's build out the universe let's bring him in but like i don't think it was as mcu genre redefining i think it's smart to use deadpool kills the marvel universe comics as a deadpool saves the mcu universe idea i think that's genius i think the deadpool jesus line is very clever because that's how people feel right now and i think it's good to be topical that said i like small films uh i i get to talk about blockbusters with you guys because that's what gets clicks. But ya boy loved Saltburn more than most anything this year. Uh, I like movies that are weird and it's hard to make something weird with a big budget. Poor Things being a weird mid-budget example. It's not easy to get a hundred million dollars or more behind a crazy concept. And sometimes a movie benefits from a small budget. Why I think Deadpool 1, I prefer to Deadpool 2 is it got to make different risks, and it got to be more invested in singular characters. So this intrigues me because a Rochamon-type story is fascinating, and I'd love to see something like that, but I think right now it is necessary to do a bigger story. I think right now Deadpool Kills the Fox universe is a way to give a swan song to not only a universe that we grew up with and a way to say goodbye to nostalgia and a way to give the end to characters that helped us get here. We... 
we wouldn't have the MCU without the X-Men. We wouldn't have the MCU without Spider-Man. We wouldn't have the MCU without Blade. We wouldn't have the MCU without the foundations that those late 90s, early 2000s movies gave us. And I think that a lot of them never got their, their sign-off. We did get a bit of a sign-off for Spider-Man with No Way Home. Now we get a sign-off for these X-Men movies that New Mutants couldn't give them. So I think it's more important to have a big story now, but I'd love if Deadpool 4 was small. I'd love to see what you're describing, and I think the Fox characters need their due more than that small movie. So that's why I'm torn about Spider-Man 4, because I think Spider-Man has earned his small movies. I think it's, it's funny. I think people think bigger and better, but I think it's smaller and better sometimes. I'd rather watch a movie with Zendaya and Tom as Peter and Mary Jane in a coffee shop than see too big a spectacle and have him be in an iron suit again and go to space again. I would much rather see Harry, Gwen, Mary, Peter, and like a pace pot Pete or, you know, the big wheel or, or the hypno hustler. I want, I want something small. Um, I think you could do a hammerhead gang story and have it be interesting. I think tombstone, but I think Spider-Man four is in a conflict of, do we go and have Andrew and Toby and do big again? Or do we have that smaller story? All right, let's get to the next one. Nora Mac, uh, Nor Mac, Nora Mac. I don't know if there's an accent in there, but thank you very much. I appreciate it, Nora Mac. Streams like this remind me why I'm subscribed to the Real Reach. Oh, I, I got all warm. Couldn't even finish it. Got all warm and fuzzy mid sentence. Streams like this remind me why I'm subscribed to the Real Rejects. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This was a gamble. Thank Enrique offsides. He's killing it producing. Uh, I I'm so appreciative that you guys are enjoying this and seeing all this makes me happy because I'm just talking to a camera and it feels crazy. Like there's no one here, so I'm just a crazy person. But there's lights, so it makes me not insane. But this is with purpose, so thank you. Uh, I love the channel, and you really add to it, Koi. Thank you. Do you think Storm will return in Deadpool 3? <sighs> I, I want Storm to return, but I'm really torn because we haven't had Storm get her due ever. Alex Ship didn't get her due. Halle Berry didn't get her due. And they literally tricked filmmakers like Matthew Vaughn was just talking about how there's a Deadpool, there's not Deadpool, there's an X-Men 3 script that opened with 20 minutes of Storm's origin where they gave Storm her backstory and, and an arc worthy of Oscar winner Halle Berry. And they, it was the Halle Berry draft. Literally, they wrote something to, to trick an actress into signing on to a movie. And that's so gross. Um, so to me, they know Storm deserves more. And they know that the character should be a bigger impact. And she hasn't gotten that. So I want as much Storm screen time as possible. I want as much Storm as possible. So in that way, I want her in Deadpool 3. I'd love to have both Hallie and Alex Ship. That'd be awesome. On the other side, I don't want Storm in another thing where she's like shortchanged. So if they can have her with the amount of screen time that justifies the appearance and enough emotional weight, yes. But in my opinion... I would rather have a Storm solo movie before another Wolverine solo movie. Wolverine's gotten his due. He's gotten his time. I'm, I'm, I think Hugh Jackman's incredible casting. No disrespect to Wolverine whatsoever. But the Brian Singer movies became Wolverine and the X-Men, and that's not the character. I would rather see Wolverine get a show set through the decades. Watch the Koi's Comic Corner. I think the second episode I ever did was about how I'd have Wolverine not join the X-Men for a while. But Storm is the most cinematic character, I think, in the X-Men in that... It's like a Roland Emmerich movie in itself. It's nature itself. It's it's so cinematic and visual. 
And I really think that we need Storm to get a story worthy of her. And I don't know if if having her sprinkled into something is the way to do it right now. So I would love to see Storm because I love the character and I love Alex Ship. Uh, one of my favorite interviews of all time. We immediately became friends, met her family at the premiere. Uh, I love Alex as a human. And Halle Berry's Halle Berry. So I'd love to see them back. But I think Storm deserves more. So if she has an appearance... That reminds people how great she is in Deadpool 3. Yes, but then I want her to get her own her own time, her own solo. Thank you for that question, Normac. Hopefully I answered it. Jerry King, thank you very much, Jerry King, for the super chat. Am I the only one who's surprised by how far we've come? I feel like just yesterday we were amazed by the scope of the first Avengers, and now we're preparing to see the entirety of the multiverse. I think. One, Tyler Adams, she got paid a lot to play that character. Yeah, but money's not the only thing that's important. Like, money's a job, yeah, but, like, it doesn't matter if you're not getting, like, justice for the character. I don't know. I um, I, I, I think I think it's tricky when we look at actors and what they're paid because I think people think that justifies treating people like crap, and it doesn't. I know, like, it's easier to be rich and sad, but, like, it's 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 a weird justification for treating someone like shit. Uh, anyway, uh, but, yeah, I'm glad she got paid. Um, let's see. Uh, am I surprised I work out for company? Yes! Yes, 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 yes. Um, I am. I, I sit back and think about this all the time because at the end of the day, it is 20 years that we've come from we can't have characters in costume to, like literally the X-Men were in black leather 20 years ago, to multiverse and comic accurate insanity and quantum theory and Spider-Verse 1 had the quantum theory explained in a way kids can understand and Spider-Verse 2 had canon events explained and, and made all mediums of art canon. It literally made comic books canon to movies and old movies canon to new movies and TV canon. Like it, the, the idea of canon is something everyone understands now that's so comic booky, And that conceptually is incredible. So I'm so impressed how far we've come from a narrative standpoint. I'm impressed how far we've come to the point my grandma knows who Thanos is. I'm impressed we've come to the point that I don't care what anyone says. I was sitting outside my bank yesterday. Yesterday, I was at my bank and someone, I was like waiting outside like the bank to like go through, make sure the deposit happened because I don't trust anyone. So I always refresh my bank app to make sure the money went in there. Uh, and while I was doing that bit of paranoia, a, a fan came up to me and had just gone to the comic store that day to pick up X-Men and Fantastic Four comics because of the announcement and because of the trailer. It works. So everyone that's like, yeah, but it doesn't really affect the comics fucking lies, man. That's not true. So I'm impressed how far we've come because we've got another 10 years have gone by. In 2005, we got a Fantastic Four movie. 2015, we got a, a Fantastic Four movie. 2025, we're going to get another Fantastic Four movie. We're due for our decadal Fantastic Four announcement, but that's getting people in comic stores. The new Fantastic Four comics are incredible. That's my favorite run of Fantastic Four is the current run right now. It's only on issue 17. Go pick up Fantastic Four. It is such an incredible run written by Ryan North. It is such splendor and science and adventure and everything you love about the character. And because of this announcement, people are reading it. So I, I, I'm impressed how far we've come that there's a reach where Pedro Pascal, you know, this guy's everywhere. And now he's read and that's getting people to read the comics. Pun intended. Uh, we're going to take a break after one more super and talk Joker too. But yes, I'm impressed how far we've come. Love that question. Love that. Yeah. My grandma loves Thanos, man. Me, uh, Nash says not grandma. LOL. Me and my grandma have actually had great conversations about Thanos and like the idea, uh, presented by Thanos was right and stuff. My grandma's a G she's awesome. Uh, but yeah, my grandma, uh, forest ranger. Thank you very much. Forest asks, why do you think fantastic four is hard to do in film? Oh, this ties into my last decade thing. 
Uh, I was super excited for the Fantastic Four stick based on how good the cast was, and I'm worried I'm falling for it again. Okay. There's a lot in here. One. Why do I think it's hard to do on film? Uh, I think, much like Superman, people really struggle with wholesome. Uh, Ted Lasso is an exception, and even season three of Ted Lasso, which I don't think is as good as one and two, but I still think is better than most other shows. Season three is, I think, lesser than one and two, but still much better than a lot of everything else that's on TV. I'd put season three above most seasons of TV, but lower than season one and two, and it's because wholesome is hard. Positivity doesn't do well. Um, look at, like, okay, so a great example. Uh, I, I do a, another show called Capes and Cowls with, uh, with Christian Harloff. This week, Fantastic Four came out, X-Men came out, and it was the first show we'd done since the Deadpool trailer. The headline of that show is, is Madam Web as bad as you think it is? That sucks, man. Like, I, I love Christian, but he's got to do what we have to do on the internet to, like, get people to click on shit. And negativity is how people click on shit, because people would rather celebrate failure than celebrate success. People would rather, it's easier to be negative because it's safe. It's so much safer to go, like, I, too, hate that thing because it shows no vulnerability to hate. It, it literally is, is the least brave thing to do. Um vulnerability is liking something. It's it's you risking sounding stupid to someone that hates it. And it's risking you showing how you really feel if you like something. And I think that in a world of Ted Lasso, it is harder to be Ted Lasso. And I think in a world of Superman, it's harder to be Superman. I think it's easy to be Lex. And I think Fantastic Four is wholesome and good and warm and about family. And I think that Fantastic Four... Fast and the Furious had to make family so cheesy to get us to say it because it is about family. That that franchise means a lot to me because it is about people that aren't blood-related coming together and doing absurd shit. But it's about family. It's about supporting each other. And it's about blood not being what makes someone family. I think Fantastic Four doesn't work for a lot of people because it took Fast and the Furious to go so absurd to get people to think family's cool. Fantastic Four can't do that. It's not that kind of property. So, uh, I think Fantastic Four has a really hard thing set in front of it because <sighs> it's got to be sincere and it's got to be um, saccharine sweet at times. And I think that's why setting in the 60s is a smart move. I think the, the cast has to be so important. Um, it has to be a family. And I think that's hard to get people to care about uh, because, like I said, it's easier to hate shit. It's a thing about love, man. Fantastic Four is a loving adventure with characters that are very hard and very specific, so it's hard to make. Fantastic Four stick, I think, didn't do well because it was um, it was a lot of conflicting views of what the property was. It changed a lot in reshoots, had a lot of studio messiness, rumbly jumbly. Uh, and I think it's because... Uh, I think it's because it tried to be 10 things and it needed to focus on one and they didn't give the opportunity to do that. Uh, Josh Trank did Chronicle, which I think is exceptional. He then did Fantastic Four Stick and then he did a Capone movie. I think the Capone movie being so small allowed him to tell his authentic story and even that's got a lot of disparate parts. So it's tricky. Uh, I think he's a filmmaker that could have made a good Fantastic Four and I think the cast was there. But, uh, you know, it, it just didn't work out because of involvement. And lastly, uh, I don't think you're falling for it again. I think Marvel has had ups and downs, but I think they have way more ups than downs, man. And I think a lot of people want to celebrate the downs because of the beginning of this rant. And uh, I think that they overall are still killing it. And I think comic book movies are still three of the top ten worldwide box offices of last year. This genre is not dead. It's just fun to celebrate its failures when they happen. I don't think you're falling for it. I think the MCU is now in fucking high caffeine gear because they know there are things to fix. And I think that Kevin Feige and co. listen to the fans. And now's the time to write the ship. And I think that's what they're doing in Fantastic Four and other things. All right, let's talk about Joker 
two. Uh, let's dive into it. Um, Joker two, I think. I think is uh, man. How do I how do I say this kindly? I think Joker two is a very fun way to poke the bear. Uh, I think Joker 2 is uh, a sequel to a movie that is a little dangerous, and I know that's a funny thing to say, but I think Joker 2 is a movie that can really activate the wrong people. I think that there is a series of movies that adorn many college walls, um, like Wolf of Wall Street, Scarface, Breaking Bad, um, films I enjoy. Like, I love Breaking Bad. It's my favorite show of all time. Uh, What are some other ones? Um... Jordan Belfort's a great example. Like, that's the villain of the story. Like, that's American Psycho is a great example. Fight Club is the ultimate example. Tyler Durden's the antagonist, guys. Um, and I think that, so, uh, Tyler Durden is a character that means a lot to me because I used to think he was the cool, good guy before I was mature enough to realize he was the bad guy because I saw it when I was 11. And when you're 11, cool is cool. But maturing is realizing Tyler Durden is the villain. And I think Joker is a modern version of that, but handled a little more recklessly. Joker is clearly a dangerous thing to celebrate the villain and to make him likable in its in its own way. He's not fully likable, but he's still your protagonist, even though he's an antagonist. And I think Joker 2 is going to be addressing the fandom it found. That movie made a billion dollars, and a lot of people got the wrong message from it. So I think making it a quasi-musical and coming at bros is genius. I think um, making it a love story is, it's Harley. Of course you want a love story. I think it's a way to make it unique. I also think Lady Gaga is such a talented actress that can sing. So having Johnny Cash and Lady Gaga as Joker and Harley Quinn is fantastic. So I really think it's a smart way to navigate it. And I think the way they're handling press is great. It looks like an art house film. I love the image that just came out of the, the heart, the forming between the two of them. The, the image is kind of shaped like a heart with Joaquin and Lady Gaga. I think all of the moments of connectivity um, that, that show a passion between them is genius. I think we'll probably get a trailer soon. I'm really excited for it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a really I- insightful way to look at a toxic relationship, and I just hope Todd Phillips is making it for the right reasons, and I think he is, because he, he, you know, made the first one in a way that he doesn't, he doesn't seem to like superhero films, so it's nice to have, in the traditional sense, it's nice to have someone that's not making them feel like the rest of them, so I'm hoping this is similarly contrarian, but also not inciting more bad people to feel emboldened, so I hope it's more of a takedown of those shitty people, and uh, I'm really hopeful for it so i'm excited for joker 2 um i'm i think it's going to be a delight and i'm looking forward to it but i definitely think it's a it's a fine line you got to walk to to dance uh as joker and harley do harley quinn joker movie uh see batman come out this year i think that means those are both coming out this year i'm very excited about those in uh in 2025 uh 2024 for joker and then 2025 for batman 2 so many toxic people love fight club without realizing it's commentary on them toxicity i agree Uh, i've been using the word snowflake uh coming at the very sensitive people that use the word snowflake and i've enjoyed reclaiming the word because snowflake is from fight club and it's a book written by a gay man coming out in his own way and and feeling oppressed and writing about violence as an outlet because of that 
being homosexual and i think snowflake being adopted by people that hate people is hilarious because it's like the definition of irony for people that are bigoted to use the word snowflake so taking it back using it at their little preciousness uh we're gonna go back to supers thank you very much to everyone who's contributed so far much much appreciated super chats and the uh i forget the other live what's the other super chats and hmm? stream labs Super Chats and Streamlabs, uh, I just blew out 82 eardrums. Super Chats and Streamlabs are the way this gets to keep going, so thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every one of you that's contributed so far. Gonna take a dramatic sip because I've been ranting for like 20 minutes and I need to wet my whistle. Oh, so much talking. Thank you all so much for that moment of silence. Okay, Forest Ranger, thank you very much uh, for that fantastic four question. It led to many a rant, and I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, our next super chat is going to be scrolled in just a moment. Enrique is typing feverishly. Enrique is in the live chat. He's running the ones and twos. He's running the producing. Also, give it up to for Enrique while I take another sip of agua, which is coffee. Okay, next one of these. Let's scroll. Ready, ready, ready. Ready, ready, ready. Boom, Dan V900. He's back in action. He is a man with many questions, and I appreciate him very much. Thank you, Dan V900, for comics. I just got the entire Deadpool, Passane, and Duggan run. Goddamn right you did. Which has the good, the bad, and the ugly, illustrated by my boy Declan Shelby, the Irishman himself. I fucking love Declan. Uh, that, that, that's my favorite Deadpool story, by the way. The Good, Bad, and the Ugly is far and away my favorite Deadpool book. That is going to be my Deadpool wreck of the day. Uh, people wanted comic wrecks. Fantastic Four. The current run by uh, Ryan North is my favorite Fantastic Four ever. I'd also recommend the John Byrne run. I'd recommend the Mark Wade and Ringo run. That is spelled R-I-E-R-I-N-G-O, Ringo. Wade and Ringo is one of my favorite runs of all time. It brought Fantastic Four back to prevalence. Uh, we lost the great Ringo uh, a few years ago, and there's an award named after him now. Ringo's one of my favorite artists ever. Mark Wade and Ringo did an incredible Fantastic Four run. And also, uh, the Marvel Masterworks Volume 5 and 6 is going to be your Galactus and Silver Surfer stuff in the early, early days of Fantastic Four. We're talking 60s. Volume 5 is going to be this man, this monster, and that is going to be your assignment pre-Fantastic Four. Those four sections of books I highly recommend, four for four. And as far as Deadpool goes, uh, I do think The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly shows the heart of Deadpool. Um, and I think it really shows the comedy comes from a place of trauma, and it also has Captain America in it, has Wolverine in it. It's written by Passane and Duggan, which is a very great recommendation. Illustrated by Declan Shelby, it's my favorite of the arcs of Deadpool. I'd also recommend anything from the beginning of the Passane and Duggan run. I think it's a really good gateway. Like, volume one of Passane and Duggan, I'm saying, is uh, all of it's good, but that's a good gateway into Deadpool. Uh, I think that the Deadpool run by the great Joe Kelly is going to be what gets you into that fourth wall breaking stuff. So look up Joe Kelly Deadpool. Also highly recommend that. And then my final, because we're going to do four for each of them, is going to be Spider-Man Deadpool, volume one. It's a great place to start. Um, it's got some dirty dancing references in love. It's a really accessible, uh, uh, accessible and successful blend of their humor, and it shows the difference between them. I think a lot of people think Deadpool and Spider-Man are similar. They are similar, but they're not the same. Check out volume one of Spider-Man Deadpool. Came out like five or six years ago. Very good stuff. Uh, so comics, yes. Uh, Duggan, good, bad, and the ugly. I agree. So good. The Ultimate Spider-Man 2 preview. Chef's kiss. You're goddamn right. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man is sensational. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man is um, the best new Spider-Man book, I think, since Chip Zdarsky was doing um, like his one-off runs in Peter Parker's Spectacular, which is now like eight years ago. 
I collect Spider-Man. I buy the floppies. I bag and board them. I have uh, damn near 16,000 comics between Spider-Man and X-Men. I am 27 comics away from every Spider-Man in print. That's amazing, sensational, spectacular, Peter Parker, Ultimate, Untold Tales of, Web of, every Spider-Man run. And I tell you this because that means I've been buying Amazing Spider-Man because I have to. And I haven't been loving it. And that that sucks. Like, I like Gang War okay, but, like, about half of it, I feel like I'm paying to not enjoy something. And that, that sucks. This book has got me back in such a way. It reminds me why I love Spider-Man. It reminds me what I love about the Ultimate Universe in that it's a clean slate. I love that the original Ultimate Spider-Man made him younger because Spider-Man had been older for a while and in serious relationships. And it was kind of a commentary on the fun of Spider-Man. And now it's the other way. Spider-Man's been kind of without a drive and and a little like too silly but not in a fun way just in a like it feels erroneous way the main title felt flippant and unimportant and so they made him older he's got a beard he's got a family i love that the art always reflects the 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 ultimate work like art is in the concept of art like the the feeling of art uh, i love that the ultimate universe always reflects what we need as an opposing force. And Ultimate Spider-Man, we need a more mature Spider-Man. We need to feel this way. So Ultimate Spider-Man is absolutely sensational. Uh, I really think that it's a great jumping on point for you if you've never read a comic book. Ultimate Spider-Man number one came out last month. Ultimate Spider-Man two drops this Wednesday, but there are second and third prints coming for issue one. Issue one sold out like that day. They're, they're second and third prints. Get after them. I highly recommend Ultimate Spider-Man. And after this, I'm going to jump into the live chat real quick. We've done a bunch of these. Uh, I hear Aisha Taylor has uh, a, a question in the live chat. Can we pull that up, Enrique? All right. It's somewhere. I'm ready. I'm available. Okay. Up. Oh, Mayday. We're, we're jumping around. Things are moving. He's got a lot of pressure. I'm just yelling like, hey, do this thing like it's easy. It's not easy. It's why I don't produce. It's why I'm a talking head. In the meantime, Bucky Barnes says, there's a video going around with Stanley apparently never intended the X-Men to be social commentary in the oppressed, and certain YouTubers are using it as a defense. What are your thoughts? Um, Stanley's literally written, like, there's a there's soapbox things at the end of comics, uh, like Stanley's soapbox that say that's what he intended. He's always talked about that being um, the point of the X-Men. I think there might be a video that has him saying, like, <sighs> That's not all they are, and then if you edit it and get creative with how you want to phrase it, but there's literally hundreds of bits of proof. If you want to use one bit of proof that is, I haven't seen it, I don't know what the fuck it is, but uh, there's plenty of other things that he himself has said. So uh, comic books are a social commentary, so I doubt that, um, I don't know. I, Bucky, I one, thank you for always moderating and crushing it. Uh, I don't want to say those YouTubers don't matter because they don't matter to me, but they matter to a lot of people and they cause a lot of people to not understand media. Like media literacy is dying because of stupidity and, and encouraging stupidity is, is so much easier than encouraging intelligence. So those type of YouTubers, they're feeding on the uh, impressionable is the kind word I'll use. And I think that it's easy to to uh, to feed off the impressionable, the young people, people that aren't aren't as invested in wanting to learn and grow. And empathy is a lot harder than hate. So there's a big market for that. So those people are always going to have power to some. But I think it's really important to see the difference in what you're watching and where their intent is coming from. I think if you watch any media, whether it's YouTube, a podcast, a movie, read a book, watch a show, if you're consuming something, 
I think if you look at what their goal is as far out as you can, that should determine why you're watching it. So if you're watching something and you realize, like, hey, is this someone benefiting off of someone's stupidity, someone's impressionability, someone hating, someone thinking they're better than someone else? Uh, is this someone that is thriving off of other people's oppression? Is this someone who's benefiting from people being put down because of their uh, sexuality, race, gender? If, if people are being put down and they're making uh, themselves bigger because of that, Look at that from a macro and decide whether or not that's someone's opinion that matters. I don't think it does. So those folk uh, are always going to exist, but we shouldn't give them the time of day. So, um, yeah, the the idea of um, comics not being a social commentary is inherently dumb, and I don't know what that video is, and I don't really care to. Uh, and I also think that uh, YouTube's dangerous because those people embolden dumb people, and and. TikTok makes it faster, and YouTube makes it a community. And, uh, you know, never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups, and YouTube gives them a lot of, a lot of ability to, to gather. Uh, did we ever find that question from Aisha? Oh, that was it. Oh, fantastic. Bucky, thank you, and Aisha, thank you for your wisdom as ever. Bucky, thanks for bringing it to my attention. Aisha, thank you for being awesome. Hopefully that answered your question. Uh, I don't think Stan would ever say that with the intent that they're driving with it, and there's been plenty of 99% of other things that Stan has said that is very much saying that is what they're for, and it's pretty fucking obvious. So um, fuck those people is the short answer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's get back to the super chats, and I will say the F word slightly less, only slightly. You know, I bleep and hate YouTube. If there was a medium where I could be an adult, if I could talk about the stuff that's good for all ages, but as an adult, if I could be R-rated and talk about PG, PG-13 and R-rated things, I'd be a much bleeping happier character on these internets. I got in trouble this week. This, I'm not even kidding. I got in trouble this week for saying that People that don't realize the X-Men is woke are dumb. I got in trouble, and I said it kindly. I literally got calls. I can't. This world is is dangerously sensitive while also dangerously not empathetic. One side is so sensitive that you can't be a person. The other side hates everything so much that it's not safe. It's a very shitty world. I can say shitty. All right, next, Antwin. Antwine, thank you very much for the super chat. Much, 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 much appreciated. Love these lives. For the MCU, if you had your choice, who would you cast as Professor X, Magneto, and Cyclops? Thanks in advance. Oh, just coming in here to, like, cast these impossible characters that are so important to you and archetypal and are going to be playing them for ten years. Let's just do that real quick. No, great question, Antoine. Um, let's see. Professor X, Magneto, and Cyclops. Uh, Cyclops. <sighs> Okay, Cyclops is a character that's strong, commanding, capable, but has a very punchable face. You need to be able to hate him and some of his choices, but you need to believe in him as a leader. And thus, Glenn Powell. 
I think Glenn Powell is is a great Hal Jordan, great booster goal, but I think he'd also be a pretty exceptional Cyclops. I could see him acting beyond the visor. I think it's a really hard role because your so much emotion comes from your eyes, and so you need to be able to do a lot with just like facial expression. And uh, I think Glenn Powell's got that. Glenn Powell for Cyclops, uh, Magneto and Professor X, two sides of a coin. Uh, you've got your uh, Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King parallels, obviously. So I don't know what age they go for. I don't know what, you know, demographic they're, they're making their origins if they modernize it. Um, but just from the sense of, of, um, wisdom with the undercurrent of potential betrayal, um, Xavier's got some darkness in him that needs to come out at times, but it also needs to come from a place of like professorial wisdom. Um, Man, you know who I'd love? I'd love to see Sterling K. Brown. I think Sterling K. Brown is so articulate, so smart. He's a leader, he's a professor, but he's got like he can find rage. Uh he can he can come from a place of uh wisdom but also impulsiveness. Uh he seems so intelligent, but also like he could make mistakes. I'm gonna go Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown's my Professor X, because I don't want to just, like, everyone else's picks. I'm trying to think of ones I haven't seen. Uh, five years ago, I would have said Ralph Fiennes. Uh, Ray Fiennes, I think, is, is a fun one, but I think right now, Sterling K. Brown. And then over to Magneto. Um, I'm, I'm going with the, the Martin Luther King um, being, you know, Sterling K. Brown. So the Malcolm X to that. Uh, if if, if freaking Idris wasn't Heimdall... I'd love to see Idris as Magneto because he's so commanding and he's so physically intimidating, but he's also got a voice like the voice coming out of that helmet's got to be so powerful. And Fassbender and McKellen set such a high bar. Um, man, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna say it. If they can bring Eben back from Micro, no, Heimdall's a way bigger part. Man, Magneto is so hard. Like he's and I, I personally, I'm so sick of. Uh, personally, I know a lot of people are gonna be mad when I say this. Giancarlo is so typecast. Um, I, I, I don't personally want Giancarlo in either of those roles because I feel like they're the two things he gets typecast at. I'm gonna come back to Magneto, but it's a great question. Sorry, it's taken me so long to think of one. It's because I'm invested, but uh, I'll, I'll think of, uh, I'll think of someone for. And I know T'Challa's uncle is Professor X. He was such a small part. I feel like that's safe. Jesse Eisenberg, Magneto. Good God, Enrique! I didn't say it. You said it. Uh, I'll, I'll think of Magneto at, uh, at some point. Um. Ishmael Montoya. Hey, Koi, what comics have you been reading? Any rewatches that you're doing? Uh, we aren't doing the DC rewatches anymore, and I think we're doing new watches going forward. I just watched um, My Cousin Vinny. Uh, I, we've done a few on the channel that are, that are uh, coming out. Uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm going to Philly next week. When I get back, I'm hoping to dive into some more watches. Uh, but comics, man, I read 70 a week. Let me give you uh, my top uh, 10 from the last three weeks, and that'll be my my speedy Rex. Thank you very much for this question, Ishmael. Uh, I appreciate it very much, and it's good to see you in here as ever. Uh, this week's favorites from, from February 7th, because I haven't read February 14th yet. Uh, I loved Avengers 10, Birds of Prey 6, Captain America 6, Count Crowley, Mediator Meteor Mock. Mediocre Monster Hunter from David Asmalchin 2 is so good. How to Lose a Guy Gardener in 10 Days is adorable. It's an anthology comic that features eight different original DC stories, all love stories, all like 
heartwarming little romance story set in the world of DC, and it's a it's a commentary and a rom com. I love that. How to Lose a Guy Gardner in Ten Days is my wreck of the week. The One Hand Number One is a great David Fincher esque murder mystery. Poison Ivy Nineteen continues to be that Poison Ivy book is sensational. Suicide Squad Kill Arkham Asylum is a comic book prequel to the video game. Superman Seventy Eight Iron Curtain is a sequel to the Superman Seventy Eight movie. That's delightful. Uh, you and I Number One is a very intense story from uh, John Michael Straczynski. Ultimate Black Panther Number One dropped this week. It's pretty great. From last week, January 31st, Avengers Twilight number two. Imagine the last Avengers story, a deep future story. Blade Runner meets Avengers. Batman and Robin 2024 annual. Great one-off. Really fun story. Love the dynamic between Batman and Robin, that father-son, paternal energy. Carnage number three. Carnage is so impressive. I'm so surprised by it. Duke number two. G.I. Joe's Duke getting his own comic run. Very inventively written. Really fun book over there. Lilo and Stitch number one, man. I'm loving this. Uh, Dynamite Comics is doing a lot of really cool stuff. Their Lilo and Stitch is exceptional, and they really, really crushed it with Gargoyles. Um, Dynamite is quickly becoming my favorite like adaptation uh, imprint uh, publisher, not imprint, my favorite adaptation publisher. So check out Lilo and Stitch as well as our Gargoyles, especially if you want to get younger people into reading. It's a really great way to get kids to, like, especially if they love the shows or the movie, to, to jump back and forth. Lilo and Stitch number one is great. Local Man number nine, a great commentary on 90s comic books and that local guy in your hometown you shouldn't trust. Um, Titans Beast World number six. Trinity Special number one. New stuff from Tom King. I always love. Wolverine number 42. Some of the most brutal Wolverine I've ever read. Sabretooth always attacks Wolverine on his birthday, and in this case, he's going at Wolverine's whole family and eviscerating them. It's super violent, super intense. And World Tree, number seven. World Tree is about, uh, like, the dark, dark, dark internet being, like, a cancerous, corrupting thing taking over. And if you know my thoughts on the internet, you know I feel like it already has. All right, those are my favorite comics from the last two weeks. Hopefully that answered your question. I'm reading 70 a week, so those are my top 20 of the last 140 comics I read. Lindsay! Thank you very much, Lindsay. I appreciate you. Lindsay asks... Will Thunderbolts tie into FF since dates flipped? I think it won't since dates flipped. Um, I think that they're they're both went through a decent amount of rewrites, and I think Thunderbolts um, is going to be more in the Secret Wars setup, uh, more in the uh, Armor Wars, Captain America Four, our world today, leading to a world that hates and fears them. Um, I think we're about to see everything turn into people kind of like turning their back on heroes and I think Thunderbolts is going to be a big catalyst for that. I think Fantastic Four is intentionally in the 60s because it's going to be heroes being celebrated and a more saccharine sweet world and then Thunderbolts is going to be kind of the inverse. So I think they're actually kind of inverse of each other. They're kind of like commentaries on each other like a world of heroes versus a world that hates heroes. Uh, so Thunderbolts I think is going to be more setting in the Cap Iron Man modern world of heroes versus Fantastic Four. Hopefully that is your question. Thank you, Lindsay. We had to hire Enrique because Greg is in traction due to the Selena debacle. <gasps> what happened with Selena? Did he have a hard time? Oh no! Did Gre Greg gets emotional? Greg Greg has the ability to emote in a way that I don't. And I'm very jealous. I've told Greg before. I can't like. I'm so emotionally constipated when it comes to media. Like I don't feel tears to scale. I just don't. I want to. Crying feels great. It's such a release. I just can't do it with movies. I'm so jealous. Uh, playing along at home, Greg watched Selena for the first time without... Oh, no! That's way worse than than being broken for that reason. Man, I'm sorry to everyone involved. Olivia, if you're watching. Greg, if you're watching. I'm sorry, everyone. All right, Dolly. Dolly, thank you very much for the super chat. Do you think Halle Berry will return as Storm in future MCU projects? Her and Hugh Jackman have great chemistry. Uh, I don't think Halle Berry will be back beyond Deadpool 3, if she's in Deadpool 3. Um, I personally think she's been betrayed enough times. Uh, I don't know if she would trust in the... I mean, Marvel's different than Fox. 
but they kept like doing her dirty, you know, and doing storm dirty. So I feel like unless Marvel gives her the storm she deserves, which Deadpool might, I don't think she should. Uh, I'd love to see a new storm get an origin and a, like the origin of storm. I guess this is gonna be like the storm subplot, but like this whole live, uh, I, I feel like storm's origin is cinematic. I feel like it's a beautiful setting. We don't get to see enough. I think it's, um, a really captivating story that connects you to her. I think the, her going from a thief to a God is an incredible arc. I think the commentary on feeling like a lowly thief and what that does to a person and then feeling like you're revered as a God is a fascinating psychological study and then her becoming the leader of one of the two teams of x-men is such a beautiful journey storm deserves like an, a trilogy and that's not gonna be halle berry so i'd love to see you know someone new get to do that storm story that the character deserves personally uh but i'd love to see her back in deadpool 3 all right we're gonna go over to Streamlabs. uh i want to see what's going on over there remember super chats are so appreciated Streamlabs are so appreciated Streamlabs take just a little less off the top so Streamlabs are very very appreciated but i thank you Thank you all for anything coming at me. So, so much love. Uh, our first one today is going to be from Sammy Boy. Sammy Boy says, thank you, Sammy Boy. Looking at the Deadpool 3 trailer, I had a theory. What if there are multiple TVAs or an evil version? Does a fourth wall-breaking character work in a down-to-earth story? What do Avengers see when it happens? Okay, love this question. Uh, I think there very well could be multiple TVAs. I think... Um, I think there's going to be a fun, like, reveal. Uh, so the guy in the trailer that's, like, leading the, the team on the TVA is a Paradox, and he's a variant of Mobius. And I think it'd be kind of fun to find out at the end of the movie that the TVA is a different one because Mobius and Paradox are inherently the same. So that'd be fun to, to play with that. Uh, also, the costumes being so differently elaborate. I think there's going to be a scene in Deadpool where we meet... Deadpool Marvelized. Uh, I think we're going to meet, like, a lot of people complain about Marvel. Spoiler alert. A lot of people complain about Marvel. But I think uh, I think we're going to meet, like, the MCU Deadpool, and I think we might be dealing with the MCU TVA. Like, the a different, obviously, Loki is the MCU, but what I'm saying is that a commentary in the MCU TVA, and I think that might be a fun way to play with uh, timey-wimey elements and, uh, and different variants. Uh, I think breaking the fourth wall is genius in that we're going to have Fox's Deadpool in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So he's inherently from another universe, so he would know that conceptually. And with him knowing he's from another universe, I think that's how he breaks the fourth wall because he knows he doesn't belong there. Like, if I entered into a TV universe and I knew that this was my universe, then I might be able to break a fourth wall and talk through the TV. Like, because I know it's not right, it's not accurate. I think that's genius. I think that's how he's going to be able to be muted in PG-13 movies and still have him be R-rated, but, like, the movie be PG-13. I think it's going to be a commentary on, you know, the violence. Um, I think that other Avengers might just see him, like, talking to no one. I think it's going to be, like, me doing this over here, but if there wasn't a camera there, and they'd be like, what is going on? And I think that's going to be really fun. So I think people see him breaking the fourth wall, but they just see it as, like, Wade being insane, which he is, which is why it's such a fun character to break the fourth wall. One of the things I wanted the She-Hulk show to do was, um, this is my headcanon, and it's not, uh, this is not based off the story at all, but with Deadpool, he's insane, so when he breaks the fourth wall, that's like some madness. I thought it'd be fun if, you know how like 
Hulk, like Bruce Banner, has the other guy. Like, there's a voice in his head. There's the other guy that's trying to steer the ship. She-Hulk could control it right away, right? So, like, she immediately had control. There was no other guy. Like, there was no other girl. There was no voice in her head. Like, She-Hulk and her are one and the same. I thought it'd be fun if we were the other guy, right? Like, we were in her mind. So, when she broke the fourth wall, it was acknowledging us, the viewer. That was, like, a, a, a She-Hulk voice was us. And I thought that'd be fun. But with Deadpool, you can just make him crazy. Uh, all right, we're going to do a two-parter here from Sammy A. Loco. Thank you, Sammy A. Loco. Uh, we got, hey, Koi, I love you talking. I can't quite see the top there. Let me scroll up just there. We go. Hey, Koi, I love your comic recommendations. Loved hearing you talk about the new F4 run. It definitely is my favorite run by my favorite issues out of the current 17 so far are three and seven. Uh, that is tricky because I don't remember individual issues. I do remember, oh, fuck. Uh, I do remember the ones I loved were when they revealed why they were separate. There's also a really great one about time travel. I love there's an arc of them trapped in this town and like the reveal of what the town actually is is really great. So I'm not sure which number issues there were, but uh, three and seven are your favorite, which I love that you have your, your favorites going on there because I don't remember individual issues, but they're both exceptional. Uh, all right, that's part one of two. We're going to go to your second one, Gamer MJ. Uh, when I went to the comic shop to grab Ultimate Spider-Man, the guy there said it was already selling for 50 bucks on eBay. Have you been reading the new Daredevil run that began last year? It's really good, and Zdarsky done a Spider-Man run, which I intend to grab. Okay, a lot of great stuff, Gamer MJ. Um, I was lucky enough to be day one at my local comic shop and had already pulled Ultimate Spider-Man. Remember, Second Prince and Third Prince are available. Get after this comic while you still can. Uh, issue two is out on Wednesday, and I'm going to be there day one. I'm actually going to probably find some new comic stores in Philly and pull it from a new shop and then have my one back here as a backup. I don't mind having two copies. I want to support a local comic store in Philly. So uh, very excited to pick up the next issue. It is selling for 50 bucks because that thing sold out like crazy. Uh, the new Daredevil run, uh, I'm not loving as much as the Zdarsky run. Um, it leans a little too, like, the character's Catholic, but as someone who's atheist, I just don't, I'm not as invested in, like, religious stuff. So as much as I'm, I'm invested in Matt's religion, but I'm not invested in religion. So it's not hitting me as hard. Uh, but I'm glad you're loving it. It's just, it's not my favorite run of Daredevil. Uh, and Chip Zdarsky's Spider-Man run is exceptional, man. I love Chip Zdarsky's uh, Spider-Man. It's one of the best modern Spider-Man hard stop. Uh, his life story is great. His Peter Parker spectacular run is exceptional. Uh, I got a lot of love for Chip Zdarsky. Everything he does, uh, I really love. I'm, I'm such a fan of that guy. If you're of age and of maturity, check out his Sex Criminals. It's actually him on pencils. Matt Fraction wrote, and he illustrated this incredible run uh, called Sex Criminals. But any things that Arsky does is pretty great. All right. Thank you very much for that, Gamer MJ. Uh, Sammy A. Ioko, or Loco, probably Loco. That makes more sense than Ioko. I was wondering if you knew because it was left in the air, who remains... Okay, hold on. I was wondering if you knew because it was left in the air. Who, was he who remains the older version of Victor or an entire different Kang? I'm a bit confused what the hierarchy is in the MCU now. Do you have a TVA watcher, Celestial, Eternity, Gods? Is there a guide? Okay, I think I understand this question. He Who Remains is a version of Kang. It could be an older version of Victor because of the way they made it vague that that's how he was set up. Because Victor didn't die, but my personal interpretation is Victor Timely is someone that has a little bit more benevolence in them. 
So I personally didn't interpret that as him, but there is an element of the man at the end of time joking and stuttering and making fun of Victor. I saw that as him moving Victor around like a chess piece and putting him in the position needed to be, not that he came from that personally. That's how I I narratively took it. I, I personally see Victor Timely as a variant of Kang, just as he who remains is a variant of Kang, not that that's one long timeline of that variant, if that makes sense. Hierarchy of the different all-powerful characters. Personally, I see the Celestials above the Eternals um, in that hierarchy. I see the TVA as separate of that because they're more like time cops. Like, they're they're more um, mortal. Even though they're immortal, they feel more punchable. <laughs> they're more, they're more down-to-earth. And then uh, gods I see as above all of that. So, like... Zeus and those beings, but they're on another plane of reality, so I don't know if they'd even relate, like, in a power structure. It's not quite like the comics, uh, you know, it, it was always hard at those trading cards where it's like, power level 10, power level 7, like, yeah, but, like, they wouldn't fight. So, um, I don't know uh, if there's an actual, like, who's stronger, but I always see the gods as above everything than Celestials than Eternals. I think that, I think that is what I would say. But yeah, so yeah, uh, that, that's that's my jam. Uh, all right, we're going to get to Supers in a second, but I want to thank you so much. We're going to be closing down the Super Chats uh, in about 10 or 15 minutes, but thank you so much to everyone who's contributed so far. So, so much appreciated. Uh, I want to jump into the live chat real quick. I'm going to jump into the live chat in a minute, and I'm very thirsty. This will give me a second. Let's see. We got Trouble Latrice in here. We got Celine. We got Yannick Van Dunsch. What do you think is going to be happening to Xiling? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's the fun of where we are right now. Uh, only YouTube channel that is worth it for me to guys. Uh, oh, thank you. We try to be worth the clicks. I don't like clicks just being for click sick. I try to make it like worth the entertainment. Oh, James Marsden's at your gym right now. We're gonna get to that in a second. That's very exciting. That's that's like ooh, that's that's. I love that guy. I've met him a couple of times. He he loves Cyclops so much. Like he's so personally invested in Cyclops. It it makes me so happy. Um, thank you to everyone in the live chat. I want to make sure you guys got some love as well. Uh, let's get over to the super chats with Nash over here. Do you believe Marvel is hurting their own success by avoiding making the upcoming movies mature or R-rated? Uh, Deadpool's R-rated. Um, they've relied heavily on humor in the past, but I feel like it's starting to lose its charm now. Um, I think they're going uh, more mature. I think Daredevil is going to be more mature. Uh, I think Deadpool is absolutely more mature. It's an immature mature, but it's uh, it's got, you know, mature themes and pegging. Um, I don't know if I can say... Oh, I can't say that word on YouTube because they did. That proves I can say it on YouTube. They didn't take it down from the mouse. They can't take it down from me. P-E-G-G-I-N-G. -G -G. But it's obviously that that is an R-rated uh, commentary and an R-rated... Uh, <laughs> sexual situations um so i think they're going generally more mature uh i think the midnight suns movie that's rumored is probably going to be rated r um i think giacchino made a darker thing with uh werewolf by night and i think he's a great pick for midnight suns i think midnight suns has a lot of potential to be an r-rated avengers like if you do moon knight punisher and all those like more street level but r-rated characters that'd be awesome uh, I think I think Marvel is starting to diversify its tone a bit, which they need to, because 2008 was 16 years ago. Good God, uh, the math today is killing me. Uh, 2008 was 16 years ago, so if you were born the year Iron Man came out, you can freaking drive now. So you need to mature up a lot of it, because the people that have been here for the whole ride, like me and a lot of you guys, you want something like more mature. Uh, but I think you also need to remember that 
kids are getting into this stuff. Um, maybe not as much as millennials, but like, I think the millennial generation that discovered comics through these movies is going to be with you for the ride, so you need to do stuff for them too. But if they want to show their, their kids stuff, and if you want a new generation, you need to make stuff for young people too. So I think the comedy needs to shift because comedy changes over time. I think, you know, Iron Man comedy is, is very timeless and great, but I think uh, a lot of comedies wouldn't get made now not because of how sensitive we are, but because that's not the sense of humor we have right now. So I think comedy evolves, and I think that will as well in the MCU because it has to. Uh, so I think you need to keep things uh, PG-13, but also start smaller and also have some PG. I think you just need to diversify your type of content, which Marvel's good at doing. I hope that answers your question, Ash. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. All right. Our next one is going to be moving over to the other medium. Yay! Thanks for the shout-out, Koi, and also Bucky from Virginia Beach. Yeah! Um, Yannick is as old as Iron Man 1. That makes me feel ancient. Yannick, I, I was old enough. I was, like, working. Uh, great reaction to my cousin Vinny. Thank you, Trey Porter, very much. I appreciate the love and the compliment. Uh, I had so much fun with that because that's something that was, like, on TBS, and I think I'd seen, like, I don't know, eight minutes of it. Like, I did not uh, know what it was going to be, and it was such a funny thing to, like, experience a movie I loved so much. Like, it was such a an enjoyable, like, yeah, this is classic for a reason. Like, this totally makes sense. And I loved it. Thank you very much for, the, for watching. If you guys haven't seen it yet, the last video on this very page is my reaction to my cousin Vinny, which I enjoyed. Uh, headcanon Joe Pesci as a 90s cast. Uh, Penguin would be delightful. And Marissa Tomei is such a Harley Quinn in that movie. I had such a, oh my god, loved my cousin Vinny. Uh, also, Ralph Macchio's refusal to age is so inspiring. Uh, so we're in the home stretch of this. Get any Super Chats in. Get any Streamlabs in as quick as you want because uh, we're going to wrap this out pretty soon. So uh, we're going to be closing that in probably about five minutes. So now is the time if you've got questions. And I will jump in the live chat again here in a minute. But uh, thoughts on the breaking news. Henry Cavill has been offered the role of Captain Britain and he has accepted it. Enrique, fact check me. I want to know if that's true. Uh, Big Matt is saying that Henry Cavill has been offered the role of Captain Britain. I don't know if that's true. But I don't know if I'd want Henry Cavill in a role that is likely as small as Captain Britain. Like, Captain Britain's a big deal in some stories, but he's not, you know... I think I think Henry Cavill would be very fun as Doom. Uh, I, I don't love it quite as much as, uh, as, as Christian Arloff, who's, like, the biggest proponent for it. But I think it's fun. I think it's cheeky. I like a cheeky casting. Uh, I also want... I, I think if Henry Cavill's going to join another cinematic universe, he should get, like, three or four movies, because he didn't. Kind of did. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Henry Cavill would be great as Captain Britain. I'd just like to see him do more. Um, I don't know how true it is or not, but is it from a credible source? A reasonably credible source? Nothing confirmed. Okay, so Big Matt, we'll see. We'll see. I was, I, you know, it's a Saturday. I didn't think there'd be breaking news, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Once, once we know a thing, unless you're with Henry, if you're with Henry, tell him to blink twice if it's true. Uh, and also that I love him. And he's very handsome, and I cannot wait for the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. And his mustache looks exemplary. Thank you. Okay, over to our next question. Thank you, Big Matt, for the contribution and also the potential breaking news. Uh, we're going to be diving into a huge, momentous, enormous, appreciated super. Look at that. Look at that number. That is just kindness and sweetness and so, so appreciated. Thank you very, very much. Yuvu Lil Tart. You've a little tart. You've a tart. I don't know what that name is, but I appreciate it so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Koi. 
What can you say about X-Men 97 changes? Gambit is my favorite ever, but now the original voice actor not doing it. Instead, he's doing the cable voice, then more. Then they disfigured Rhodes' figure. They shopped her assets. This is a funny question. Uh, okay, um, Gambit, I think maybe his voice just aged. Like, I, I, as we get older, our voices change uh, quite a bit, and I think maybe they just wanted a, a different more youthful gambit and then they kept him and brought him over to cable i think that's a great way to honor a voice actor from a classic and cable's gonna sound way more gruff so maybe his voice changed and they wanted to keep him on the payroll and like honor him and move him over there so i think that's personally a great way to do it that's a great way to honor uh, a voice actor um let's see instead of doing his cable voice then morph uh i'm glad morph's back uh i'm excited about morph being back uh i think that I think the non-binary thing is so, so ridiculous to have a problem with. I, I don't understand. It's literally, the X-Men are a commentary on people that feel oppressed, and if there's ever a character that makes sense to be non-binary, it's Morph. Like, it's such a beautiful way to honor a lot of people. Like, if you're non-binary and you've never had a mainstream character, like, now you do, and that's dope. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I have no, I also, Morph was invented in the X-Men to be a character that is uh, an emotional through line so there's stakes for the X-Men. Like, Morph dies in the first episode. Morph's a character that was invented for um, kind of cannon fodder, and now they've made Morph important. So I think it's great. I think now Morph has a purpose, and now Morph isn't just, like, invented to die. Now Morph is a, is a thing for a lot of people that didn't have a character um, that they identified with. I... There's a hundred thousand comic characters, and there's a lot of straight ones, and there's a lot of gay ones, and there's a lot of lesbian ones, and I'm sure there's asexual ones, and now there's a non-binary one. That way, when someone is one of those things, they're like, oh, that's like me. Uh, the excitement I got when um, Barry Keoghan was uh, actually Irish in Eternals was amazing for me, because I've got family that sound like him, and I felt seen. Uh, so now someone that's non-binary feels seen. So um, I think it's dope. Uh, and the only thing, I'm here with you, because uh, uh, I think the Gambit thing's fine, and I think the Morph thing's great. They did get rid of that booty, and that's not acceptable. So I'm with you. They did take her assets. And Rogue, the the point of Rogue is that she's... Uh, She's uh, such a, a, a figure that's trapped in her sexuality. And, and, you know, one of the ways they visualized that was dat booty. And uh, I, I think it's funny it's become such a big deal, but also, like, they did get rid of that booty. And, and frankly, Rogue, get, get those squats. Uh, get back in the gym. Uh, frankly, we need it as, as people that love Rogue. And, but in, in, to be serious, though, like, the, the sexuality of characters is, I think, important. And I know people think that, like, Blah, blah, blah is for kids, and kids shouldn't know what sex is, but it's okay if they know what beheadings are and violence. Uh, so I think it's it's an odd thing that we uh, remove. It's such a part of her character, like, that she can't touch people, and she has that, you know, um, drive, and she can't, and that's what makes her, part of what makes her so driven and, and, and compelling. So it is weird to, of all the booties to get rid of, it's a weird booty to erase. Bring that butt back, because it actually is part of her character. Caleb Richardson. All right. Uh, thank you very much for that question, and thank you so much for that very, very kind super chat. Much appreciated. Howdy, Coy. Hope all is well. Thoughts on the theory that the X-Men universe at the end of the Marvels is the 90s X-Men, and the X-Men 97 is backstory. Um, I, you know what? I joked, and, and I, I joked, but that wasn't truth in the joke. 
Beast looks like a fucking cartoon. He's animated. Like I get, I get that it's CGI, and I hate it. Like I, I love that he looks comic accurate, but not at the cost of him looking like a cartoon. Like, see, I, I personally struggle with people being like, he looks great. It's just like photo accurate. No, it's clearly a two-dimensional character. It looks like ones and zeros. Like I, I don't know if I see differently because I like mushrooms, and maybe it's changed my vision. But I can tell a CGI character night and day. Like when you see an animated cell and you see the black outline around the of the thing that's gonna move. Like if this was animated and there was a phone, like you could tell that was the item that someone's gonna pick up in cheap animation. It looks like that. You could tell he's animated. And it drives me crazy. I would love if the end of the Marvels ties into the X Men because then it at least validates why Kelsey Grammer suddenly two D. Um, yeah, I. I I love that because it would tie things together well. I love the idea of the X-Men in space tying into the Marvels. I think that Beast tying into all of the, the sword stuff, all of that is great. Um, but I, I definitely would prefer that because it would validate the lack of uh, tangible Beast. Great question. Crazy Cat Traveler. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Um, do you think the hype over the X? Oh, so do you think the hype over the Fox characters coming into MCU will backdoor help hype reboot of DCU under gun? Uh, I don't know how they relate. Um, the hype of the Fox characters are coming you know, back to our hype reboot. I think the hype are, are separate. I think I think that the DC universe doing well is going to make Marvel com more competitive, and I think Marvel doing well is going to make DC more competitive. I think competition is good. I think monopolies are bad. Uh, so I think that both of them would be beneficial for the other. Um, so yeah, in that way, I think the DCU will hype up the Fox characters, and I do think that Deadpool is gonna drive stuff to the DCU, because I think that people are like, oh, comic book movies, but if comic book movies start being celebrated again instead of, like, hated, um, then it's better for everybody, so, like, Spider-Verse is so loved, and that wasn't a conversation as soon as one of the ones everyone hated came out. Guardians of the Galaxy almost made a billion dollars as soon as uh, the Marvels came out. People weren't talking about it. So I think they need to rising tide lift all boats. So I think that the Fox stuff will help the DCU, but not directly. It'll just be generally like, yay, we're excited about comic book movies again, if that makes sense. Uh, but I think they're both going to be a very important uh, new driving force in movies. Uh, the the Enrique question here, best button comics, Nightwing, duh. Uh, Nightwing, Dick Grayson is known for his assets. That man got that cake, though. Uh, Chebuiz Dyke, I think as it says. Chebuiz Dyke, uh, thank you very much for the super chat. And he asks, how do you think F4 ends? My prediction, one of the four gets trapped in the MCU universe while the rest take on the Council of Kangs. I don't think they'll split up the characters yet. Marvel's first family needs to be together a while. Um, I think that they all get brought into the modern day, uh, and I think that the way the Doom element comes in is something at the end. I don't think Doom's in the whole movie. I think he's brought in at the end. But um, I don't think they're trapped in the MCU. I think they become part of the MCU. I think they get to modern day as a family together. Because I, I wouldn't want to see you know three of them and one of them. I think they need to stay a unit for a little longer personally. But uh, I, I also don't know what the Council of Kangs is going to look like. I don't know how they're going to go with Kang. I think maybe they bring out Kang along with the Fantastic Four at Comic-Con. Like, I, maybe they announce the new Kang to kind of, you know, let us know if they even keep Kang Dynasty. I think a Council of Reeds might be more likely than a Council of Kangs. We'll see. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. We've got Secular Monk. Funny name. I appreciate it. Really looking forward to Dune 2. Can't wait. I agree. Uh, we are seeing it... Um, 
soon. Uh, I, I, I'm going out of town, and the day I get back, boom, Dune time. I'm so glad I'm in back in time for Dune. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, Dune 2 is one of my most anticipated of the year. The fact that it's out, like, next week has me elated. Um, I cannot wait, and I'm with you, and I cannot wait to see an IMAX, because I'm such an IMAX junkie, and I want to go to Arrakis, big, bold, and proud. I can't wait. Thank you. Uh, Jordan Garza, thank you very, very much. Koi, my boy. Hola, once again. I'm a huge Asad Rabis fan, as am I. It was so sick when I found out you loved him as much as I do. Any comic wrecks with similar gorgeous art looking for Silver Server Requiem right now? Asad Rabis, man. God damn, that guy can draw. Uh, Asad Rabis, is, uh, he did so much Thor, and his cover work and his interiors are exceptional. Great artist. Um... Let's see, who's got similar dope line work? I mean, Alex Ross is the painted option and the obvious one. Gabriel Delato also has some beautiful painted work that feels like it has that that scope and sense of wonder. Um, I would also check out Old Diodato. Feels like the digital version. It's not quite as painted, not quite as like um, portraiture, but it's got a really cool energy to it like I think Asad Rabis does. Uh, those are the big ones off the top of my head. Um... Jamal Campbell, I think, has really incredible work. He's over at DC. Um, I think that uh, Chichetto, who's on Daredevil and Spider-Man, has a little bit more of a of a grittier, sketchier style, but his stuff really lends itself to that big cinematic feel. Um, I think, yeah, those are the ones off the top of my head. I hope that helped. That was like six or seven. But yeah, those those artists are uh, are absolutely exceptional. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Caleb Richardson. Any recommendations for getting started reading Marvel comics? I kind of want to start from the beginning in the 40s comics, but they're kind of daunting. I haven't even gone back to the 40s, my friend. Uh, I pa, 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 pa. I mean, okay, it's tricky because I think... Um, oh, sorry, one second. Robert Prusser, the prove I'm looking at the live chat. What's your opinion on the Miss Marvel comics written by Amon Vellani? They are some of the best Miss Marvel, they are some of the best X-Men, and they are some of the best celebrity-written comics I've ever read, and that's saying something, because usually they've got some good co-writers. Amon Vellani gets the character, she loves Marvel, and she really gets what it means to be an X-Men. This, this arc is so good that it made me like the idea of her becoming a mutant. Like, she's got a latent mutant gene, so they got rid of the inhuman element, made her a mutant. I was like, that's cheesy and very, like, convenient. And then she wrote it so well, I loved it. It made me like the, uh, the, the X-Men, Krakoa stuff, a little bit more, made me like uh, the Miss Marvel becoming a mutant more, already loved Miss Marvel, already loved the X-Men, she enhanced both current storylines, Amon Vellani's Miss Marvel stuff is exceptional, highly recommended. Back to Caleb, I don't think you need to go back to the 40s, I think it's fun, uh, I love a lot of the 60s Spider-Man stuff, but I am aware that I love it because I already love the character, like, it's really hard to read some of the cheesy dialogue if you don't like cheesy, I like cheesy, like, the way Mary Jane talks is is preposterous at times. Like, these cool cats were going down to the club and jive, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what? And that doesn't work unless you love the characters already. But if you do, it's great. So if you do, go back to the 60s, have a great time. I've never read the 40s Human Torch. I've read pieces, but I've not run it all the way through. Um, I would personally, to get started, check out some of the Ultimate stuff that came out in 2000. Check out some of the iconic runs of like X-Men, like God Loves, Man Kills, New X-Men from Grant Morrison, Look up your favorite character and look up, like, best arcs and then, like, dabble and then find that era you connect with. Because every decade or comics or so changes a lot of their vibe. But if you want to go back to the beginning, I highly recommend it. It's a great time. But it could be daunting enough that you fall off. So I'd read 
a little bit more and then and then you know find your era and then go back in. All right, I'm gonna speed through a couple of these because I I I got excited and I dove into too many artists and uh, let's see what we got next. Francisco Montes. It's like an Inigo Montoya name. That's a cool name. Thank you very much. Uh, if I were to make a DC film, it would be Animal Man. The film isn't told in a traditional narrative structure, but a very Quentin Tarantino non-linear way. I love Animal Man. Huge fan of the uh, the two issues Grant Mor two not two issues two volumes Grant Morrison did. One of my favorite uh, things in DC of all time is the Animal Man two volumes Grant Morrison did. I would love to see that as a narrative, but I do worry it wouldn't quite work as a movie because it has a lot of like Truman Show, Fight Club. Um, sensibilities that have been done a lot more in the medium of movies than comics. But if you have the right director, right writer behind it, I would love to see that. Co-signed, I'm with you. Ace of Cool 2 asks, thank you, thoughts on how Fall of X is going so far in the concept of a movie, Spider-Man and Deadpool against Arcade. Okay, first of all, Fall of X I'm enjoying because it's finally different. I thought Krakoa was great to start with, but I thought they stayed with it for too long. I like Krakoa, but it's not like... The X-Men are interesting because they're in our world, and when they're in their own world, like, it's cool for a bit, but for me, it's like Superior Spider-Man, where it's like, that was a really cool year, but when it was like three years, I, I definitely was like, we get it. Krakoa went on, I think, a little too long, so I'm excited to get a new status quo, so I'm enjoying the Fall of X storyline because it, it feels, like, exciting, and, like, week to week, I'm so excited to read it again. Um, Spider-Man and Deadpool Against Arcade. I love it. Uh, Spider-Man and Deadpool, that comic together was delightful. I think Arcade would be a really fun villain. I'd love to see like a Ben Foster um, or Carrot Top. <laughs> but someone like Mad uh, would be a lot of fun. But, I, you know, you'd also have to like up the stakes of how Arcade would keep them at bay. Maybe it's Arcade and Mysterio. Something to add like a sense of, of scope. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see that. That is a fun concept. I appreciate it. Normac is back. Normac, can I ask for your favorite MCU movie or your top three? Uh, top three. Uh, man, that's not easy. Uh, no Way Home, Winter Soldier. And then three would rotate between Infinity War, Iron Man, Guardians 3, Morbius, Morbius, and Madam Web. No, uh, I think it'd be like Iron Man would, would, depending on my mood, the third spot would go to Iron Man, Infinity War, um... There's so many that rotate right there, but my number one and two are, are pretty firmly No Way Home and Winter Soldier. Thank you much. We'll go on our next one. Thank you for jumping back in there, Normac. Tyrosaurus, not Tyrannosaurus, not the king of tyrant lizards, but the Tyro of tyrant lizards. Uh, or the, no, I don't even know what that would be. Saurus is lizards. Tyro is, I don't know. You're something about lizards. Uh, so, got James Marsden in my gym at the moment in London as he's shooting Sonic. And man is a real gent, but real secretive regarding Deadpool face emoji sweating uh i hope he's in it because i uh and at the sonic 2 premiere i got to talk to marsden for a while about about cyclops and just like me and him talking casually and his passion and his investment in me knowing the comics and him wanting to talk about cyclops made me so happy i i definitely feel like he got shortchanged um with the character, especially with, like, him going over to the Superman movie and then, like, barely being in X-Men 3. And, like, even the first two, he's not written in the way that I feel like Cyclops is, but it's like he was there. He wanted to get out. Um, so I'd love to see him in, in Deadpool 3 in the same way I'd love to see Storm because I'd, I think they get their due. But I also don't want them to just be sprinkled in again because it feels like that's how they've been treated so far. Uh, also, James Marsden, what a delight. Let him work out in peace, but also, that's exciting. Uh, Deadshot, thank you very much, Deadshot, for this very kind super chat. Rumors are something that Ryan is going to try to prevent Disney from adding DEI to Deadpool 3. DEI. 
donkeys, elephants, and iguanas. What is DEI? Uh, I don't know how true that is, but one thing that was said about Wolverine fighting gender swap mutants, any thoughts? I have no idea what DEI is. Okay, rumors are something that Ryan is trying to prevent Disney from adding DEI to Deadpool 3. I don't know how true that is, but one thing that was said about Wolverine fighting gender swap mutants, any thoughts? Uh... I have. I think I need to know what DEI is in order to know this. Can the chat let me know what DEI is? If you know, let me know, because then I can answer the rest of this. I know we're like a few seconds behind. So uh, I haven't heard anything about um, Wolverine fighting gender swap mutants. Uh, I think that, you know, gender swapping is pretty common in uh, variant concepts. Like if you're like, well, that's this, and then this is this different way, and... Um, so it would make sense for variants to be, like, if Rogue was a dude, that'd be like, oh, that's a variant. Diversity, equality, and inclusion. I have never heard that impression. Uh, well, Ryan Reynolds is a pretty inclusive person, so I don't think he'd be like, you know what this movie about mutants doesn't need? People to feel represented. Uh, I think that's a lie. I would assume that's a lie. I don't imagine Ryan, who cares about Deadpool and cares about people, would do something that would be so prohibitive and bigoted. So, yeah, I, I think it's a lie, uh, personally, um, and I think it'd be weird to have that rule in my, like, I'm not going to let this happen in my movie. doesn't seem like Ryan, and it definitely seems like a rumor someone would want to spread on a certain set of YouTube channels that base their shit on clicks. All right, next, MC No Light. Thank you very much. With Pedro being older, what do you think the plan for F4 is beyond Secret Wars? I thought they'd cast younger if they wanted them around for a longer time. Do you think their ages are irrelevant? Well, it's Marvel's first family, so I think them being older makes more sense. I think it's nice to have people that aren't all in their like 30s. Um, so yeah, I I think it's uh it's gonna be like a family, and I think that's what the 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 team represents. And I think now you can bring in like Franklin. And you can have, like, different levels of, of uh, you know, their parents at times. And that's really special. They don't have a lot of that. And that does tie into where Marvel's going, like Thor's a parent and stuff. But I think it's it's going to feel more like a family than a person we've been with for 10 years having a kid. Like, when you meet someone as a family in life, it feels different than one of your friends having a kid. I think that's how Fantastic Four is going to feel because of their age. I don't think we're going to uh, really worry about them aging out because a lot of their fights and stuff are going to be... Uh, CGI, he's a stretchy guy, and she's an invisible girl. <laughs> like, the power set goes to Joseph Quinn, who's a young whippersnapper. So, I feel like we're in a good way. I do think that, you know, Pedro got injured doing stunts already, as we saw him in a sling, but I, I'm not really worried about uh, about that. I'm still on this DEI thing, because, like, Ryan Reynolds literally has, like, the dude has got pegging in his movie, and, like, if there's anyone that is inclusive and is, like, we got to make sure we appeal to all people, it's Ryan Reynolds. Like, that's such a weird, I don't know, Fox News dumb, shitty concept. I, but it, it came from Deadshot, who I think is, like, generally a smart... I wonder what his source was, because Deadshot doesn't seem like the person that would be like, ah, this conservative talking point's got to be true. Deadshot... Watch where you're getting your news. That's dumb. Uh, rumors so they wanted Deadpool and Wolverine in KD and also SW. Think they will tone them down or risk doing their first R-rated Avengers. Uh, I think that... Uh, thank you again for the contribution the next Super Chat. Uh, I think that Deadpool and Wolverine um, are likely to appear in Secret Wars. I don't know if they'll come in as soon as, as Kang Dynasty. It does seem like a rumor that would come from top of someone talking in a bar like, I hear Kevin Feige wants Wolverine and Spider-Man. Oh, I hear Wolverine and Deadpool. Oh, these characters that are popular, they want them to appear in other things. It seems very much like kids hanging out in a playground talking more than it seems like a real rumor. 
Um, but I think secret wars make sense narratively, and that's how you'd use them. Uh, I don't think they're going to do an R-rated Avengers personally. I think they might do, uh, you know, the fourth wall muting that would allow Deadpool. Um, but I think it's going to be a PG-13, Kang Dynasty, and Secret Wars. Uh, James Jennings is X-Men 97 going to link into live action. I think it'd be fun. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be how the yellow costume of Wolverine comes to be. I do think that Hugh Jackman is playing a different Wolverine than the Logan we got in Logan. But I don't know if he's going to be playing the X-Men 97 Wolverine because he's not voicing him. Um, I don't know how that's going to work, but it'd be funny. Uh, but uh, it also kind of like limits the narrative a little bit, and I think it'd be kind of hard to not feel like things were who framed Roger Rabbit in the transition, so I don't know how that's going to go. Forest Ranger, thank you very much. If you could pitch any Marvel hero to film, who and what would it be? Marvel hero. Um, they've done so many I love. I want a Ben Riley thing, man. I know that's kind of a cop-out because Spider-Man, but I think Ben Riley's got his own fascinating story and I love the character. Uh, I would love to see... Uh, so all the ones I'm thinking of are DC, like Plastic Man, Animal Man, Mr. Miracle. Uh, who else at Marvel? They've done so many. Like, they've done a lot of my favorites. I think Silver Surfer is a great character to get a solo thing that we haven't seen yet. Um, yeah, they've done a lot of my favorites. I, no, no one's jumping off the top of my head, but I've also been doing this two hours, so I'm sure as soon as we wrap, I'm going to be like, that person! But off the top of my head, I'll try to think about it. Deadshot! Is back. Do you think we could ever get an R-rated Avengers? I personally don't think so. Um, I think that the property is meant to be a very inclusive to all ages team. Like, it's supposed to be, you build these PG-13 movies up, it'd be weird to have them suddenly go R-rated, even though, like I said at the top, like 16 years ago was Iron Man. It's still an action franchise that feels like it could be PG-13. What I think it could be is Midnight Suns. I think Midnight Suns is your R-rated Avengers because those are more R-rated characters. So I think it makes more sense to let those characters be more narratively R-rated than just doing it for no reason. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I would do personally. Bill Turby says, I think Koi's Comic Corner should be done regularly in 10-minute videos about specific and relatively narrow topics with a quarterly live. Koi's Comic Corner, where we discuss the pick topics in the next past 10-minute Koi's Comic Corner. We were doing a lot more smaller ones, uh, but then the news, like people weren't, People weren't clicking on uh, news-based stuff. Like, it just wasn't um, working. So if you guys want more of these, like this video, comment on this video. If you want me to make a comment corner about a certain topic, leave a comment below. Like, I want to do them, and I'm down to do 10-minute ones, but they need to be, like, uh, utilized. So, like, you guys have been great here. Like, this, the chat, like, what, what, what numbers we had? Is there, like, a live we could see? Like, as I, I know it's been, like moving the chat's been grooving so clearly this has got some draw so if you guys want more of these by all means please let me know and we will make more of these all right we got our final four fantastic four episode let's get it geek ledger love the name i'm currently re-watching the lord of the rings extended editions and seeing ian mckellen as gandalf and it just clicked that he was filming those movies around the same time as the original x-men trilogy if you could cast any Lord of the Rings actor at the MCU, who would it be? Oh, that's fun. Uh, okay, Lord of the Rings actors that aren't already in there. We haven't used Orlando Bloom, who's so pretty. Who would that pretty boy be? I'm trying to think of like Gran Turismo, Orlando Bloom. Uh, John Reese davies is Gimli. Um, we've had Red Skull, obviously, is uh, is in there already. Hugo Weaving's in there. Liv Tyler's already in there. We've got some Lord of the Rings folk already in there. You know, I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see the great Frodo Baggins himself as Arcade. We mentioned Arcade earlier. I think it'd be really fun to have, 
Plus, I just love that dude. Uh, that'd be that'd be fun. I want like a small, slight fellow uh, as arcade because I think that'd be a lot of his like ego and Napoleon complex. So let's have Frodo in there. Will the thrill, big old, big old Streamlab. Thank you very much, Will the thrill. Much appreciated. I'm glad that they brought back Karen Page and Foggy Nelson. What's your expectations for Daredevil: Born Again? Uh, I have some bias because my boys are making it, and I love Justin and Aaron. But I think they've earned my bias beyond friendship. They uh, they made Loki, which I think is the best. The Loki finale, I think, is the best hour of MCU content. Um, I'm expecting a street-level, vigilante, dark retelling that is a blend of Marvel and the Netflix era of Marvel. I think it's going to be like a bridge between the two. I think it's going to be dark. I think it's going to be a law-driven. I know they're really great at dialogue. I think that uh, there's so much passion from Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio that it's going to shine. Like... They've been lobbying for these roles back, and I don't think they're taking that lightly. And I also think that's why the original version was canceled, because those guys want this. So if it's not going to be great, like, it's just, it's got to be great. Thank you, Aisha. 455 likes. Let's get those rookie numbers up. But I, I think the team behind it's exceptional. I think Marvel knows how important it is. I think it's going to be a great bridge between the Netflix era and the modern era. I think that the Netflix show is my favorite running show. Like, the, the, the seasons one through three of Daredevil are some of my favorite superhero adaptations ever. Punisher is also amazing in season one, Jessica Jones, etc. So I think it's going to be a beautiful reset. And I think we're going to be in a really good spot. Nash, thank you for the question. Thank you for that very kind streamline. Much, much appreciated. I'm very excited for it. Like it's, it's my most anticipated um, thing. I think of the things that are announced after Deadpool three, because Spider-Man four is like not firmed up enough. So I don't feel like I really know what that is. But of the things announced, I think Daredevil is my my most anticipated. Nash. With the DC resets, do you think there is any hope for them to rise from the ashes of self-destruction and ever get on the level of Marvel? Because I love some DCEU characters, but good God, it's like they just not want to be great. Uh, Nash, I think that DC is in a better spot than they've ever been. Um, I think they've got a united vision. I think they've got a plan. I think they've got an incredible team. I think they have comic writers actually working on the properties alongside uh, film and TV writers. I think that James Gunn has a huge overarching vision. I think that James Gunn has directed and written some of the best superhero films ever made, and now he's being responsible for the biggest um, launching point. Like, if you think about it, Iron Man was a B or C list character with a guy just out of rehab on a film that was being written as they were filming, and it turned into one of the greatest movies we have. That's incredible. But expectations were low. All of that, but it's Superman, and it's like something that people have waited to get right for a lifetime. Uh, Jacob Elordi didn't want to play Superman because he thought the character was too dark. That's how much they've ruined Superman from an optics perspective. I love the DCEU as a what-if, as an Elseworld, as a as someone's one vision of it. Like, I think Snyder's vision is singular to Snyder, but that's not Superman to me. I'm really excited to see Superman again. So I think the stakes are huge, and I think they know that. So it's going to be exceptional because pressure makes diamonds, man. So I'm, I'm really excited for the DCU. I think uh, the DC reset is, is the best thing we could possibly get, and I think it's going to make Marvel better while making DC better, and I couldn't be more excited. Last two, Nadak Regnarag. Uh, what X-Men character do you want to see team with the Avengers? I'd love to see a big battle where Nightcrawler jumps from person to person to help them in different ways, like throwing back to S.H.I.E.L.D. to Sam or the Ten Rings or Shang-Chi or Spider-Man. That's a big old moment. Uh, like, that sounds like very what-if, like the way they had those dynamics and stuff. Uh, I want to see um, Beast in the Avengers, because he's a canon Avenger, and I think his dynamic is really fun, and I love the way that character moves. I love Nightcrawler in fights. I think he's a really fun dynamic, and it feels very like Avengers Endgame. Uh, I love your pitch for the Ten Rings Spider-Man. Uh, I think uh, X-Men-wise, though, like I love Wolverine being a begrudging Avenger. 
Uh, I, I think of, like, the Bendis run with, like, Luke Cage and Wolverine and Spider-Man. Like, that Avengers is really fun because of the Wolverine dynamic. But uh, as far as who I want in there, I wouldn't want, like, a Cyclops or a Jean because they feel so important to the X-Men. So I'd love to see a character that's everywhere, like a Wolverine. or, or a, I like your Nightcrawler idea. Great question. Geek Ledger, do you think X-Men 97 does well? We might get a Spider-Man 98 revival. I love the 90s Spider-Man cartoon and would love to see that show continue under the new Marvel animation banner. I would love that. Uh, I, there was the team that made the old Spider-Man show did a similar uh, poster to X-Men. I don't know if you saw it, but Spider-Man got like his VHS tapes and had his moment of like, yay. And like, I'd love that personally. I liked the old Spider-Man show. I don't know how much those people would want to come back and do it again. I personally love to see that if it does well. I don't know what's going to be gr good for Spider-Man, the freshman year show or whatever they're calling it now, if that's going to bleed into the hype for a Spider-Man revival. Spider-Man's also been around. If you think about it, Spider-Man's not really left the zeitgeist as much as X-Men has. We went right from Amazing Spider-Man to Tom Holland Spider-Man, who's still our Spider-Man, into No Way Home, bringing them all back. There hasn't been a, a, a gap. So we're not as nostalgic as we are for X-Men, who we haven't had. Because, um, like, New Mutants barely came out. So it's, it's a different animal, but personally, selfishly, would love to see it because I'm a big Spider-Man fan, and I think that show doesn't get the love. I mean, it gets it gets endless love. Still doesn't get the love it deserves because it, it really introduced a lot of people to uh, comic books and Spider-Man. I think it's a great show. Hit that like button. That is going to do it. Thank you all so much for all of your Super Chats. It means the world. Thank you for all of the Streamlabs. Thank you for any contributions. Thank you for being in the live chat. I was paying attention. Gamer MJ, Will the Thrill, Nash. I have the energy of a thousand men. I try. I really do. Uh, Orly doesn't trust gun. I'm sorry. I do. I'm very excited. Ash, Todd, Stephen Burrows, um, Trouble Latrice, Aisha, as always, asking the good questions and being a force of positivity and greatness. Deadshot. Deadshot, I'm just curious. Oh, I want to read Deadshot's thing. Sorry. I'm just curious if you heard the rumors. I don't think it's true because he has that LGBTQ. Okay. So remember, I was like, Deadshot's smarter than that. Deadshot coming in here in the live chat, proving he's smarter than that. He was asking out of concern, not of belief. Asking out of concern makes sense. Asking because you believe it's another thing. Deadshot, you've renewed my faith in humanity. I appreciate you. The nerdy wave. Aika Tomshi, give Koi a like button. Bring it. Will the thrill. Thrice is nice. Uh, Aisha, thank you, thank you, thank you. Big D, Indo Crypto. Bucky Barnes, thank you for holding it down and moderating the madness. Thank you all so very much. That is going to do it. I want to thank each and every member of Reject Nation because this stream was open. It wasn't just subscribers. It was open for everyone, and I only saw one dickhead. And that means you guys are exceptional because that is statistically improbable, especially on the Internet. I love you all so, so very much. Uh, I want to do more of these. So if you want more of these, leave a comment below. Share this video. Hit that like button. Do all the YouTube shenanigans that keeps us making these without having to turn into those channels that you don't want us to be because this is a place of love and positivity because comics are fucking dope. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, Reject Nation. Joker was in the live chat because we talked about the Joker images. That's why he's in there. Uh, I, I'm so excited for Joker, too. We talked about it earlier. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So much love. Uh, let me know what you want me to talk about next. If you guys want more Comic Corner, again, leave that in a comment. We will see you soon. Have a great Saturday. Have a wonderful Sunday. Much love, Reject Nation. Bye. Thank you for everything.